Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey.
Hello? Hey, is that Darlene? No, this is uh, Kanye joining the call. Oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's it's going. Okay, how are you? Eh, so far, so good. Am I the only one that's on the call right now? Yeah, just waiting for people to call in. There's a few people on the chat board. Okay. I've never been on the call, so let me know when you're, I guess, um, in questions or whatever. Yeah, we can start any time. I was just uh, waiting for people to get on the phone so I don't have to sit here and talk to myself. Okay, all right. Um, I wanted to um, ask you about my situation um, in regards to I um, pled to a charge last year, and I prepared these letters to send in basically putting... um, uh, basically giving notice um, and then trying to do a rescission. Um, now that I understand who I am, you know, and the fact that I was not aware or basically ignorant to the fact of my right last year, um, I just wanted to kind of get some advice on the proper way to do this or if I'm doing this correctly. Um, do you by any chance have a Skype account? Um, no. Um. I can work on getting one. Yes. Um, Skype accounts are, are free and they're easy to set up. And a lot of us on the talk shoe calls, we, uh, we're all in Skype groups. And oh, okay. I don't know if you know much about Skype, but you can uh you can type questions in twenty four hours a day and somewhere around the world somebody will probably give you their their opinion um, you can type letters into the chat board and get people to give you suggestions on how to make it better or uh what might be wrong with the letter. You can take like word documents or audio recordings or links to YouTube videos or whatever you want, you can just uh, drop it into the chat board. So it makes it easy for uh, for getting input from a lot of different people. Okay. So it's, uh, it's I, in my opinion, it's one of the best learning tools we have. We all get to share our ideas and experiences. Okay. Um. I mean, well, for starters, I mean, just as of right at this moment, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how to modify my sentence because I've been sentenced and I'm supposed to surrender um, um, in March. And um, so I just wanted to find out, you know, how I can how I can get around that or, or modify it or something. Yeah, I would say um, notice of rescission or notice of mistake or both would probably be where you want to start. Okay. There's also, I think there's probably going to be a lot of us researching uh, void judgments and void orders. Okay. Um, 
if there was some kind of a problem with the with the verdict um the judgment could be voided so there's a few different ways of of handling this okay um basically at one point you believed that it would be a benefit to accept the title of defendant or maybe you believed it was a benefit to accept a sentence but now you realize that it's causing you harm and that you no longer wish to be bound to whatever the decision was okay now, I'm, now not, I've, uh, I'm sorry go, go ahead. ahead go ahead uh plaintiff the plaintiff never appeared and that was probably United States of America or some other fictional entity that's correct yes um what was the charge or charges conspiracy to mail and wire fraud okay yeah I think I'm a little bit familiar with your case already you're friends with Bobby yes <laughs> yeah I talked to him for quite a bit last night um, have you uh, have you listened to Carl Lentz or been researching common law at all for very long? Yes, um, over the past uh, about a week and a half or so, I've just you know while I'm at work, I've been listening um, to a lot, just nothing but Carl. So I'm listening to the lingo. I'm listening to his stories. I'm listening to these people that he's been able to help in various situations, whether it be the traffic or uh, property being the child or the property versus, you know, I don't even want to use the word child, but, you know, but the, the, to get their, their daughters or sons back kind of thing. And um, also helping in other situations as well. So, yes, I've, I've been really just trying to understand um, all of this. Yeah, it, uh, it's a little overwhelming when you first start researching this stuff. It uh, takes a little while to sink in, and I refer to it as connecting the dots because you get a bunch of a bunch of ideas, and it's a matter of tying all the puzzle pieces together and getting a clear picture. Um, the good thing is that the basic concepts will apply to every case. But the problem comes when it's small details could have a big a big effect on on how you how you attack the problem. Okay. Um, I think one of the best things is that not only do we have a right, we have a duty and an obligation to correct a mistake whenever we find one. Okay. And if there's been a mistake the courts have a duty and an obligation to see that that mistake gets corrected because it's kind of like if you're building a house if you build the foundation really wrong then anything you build on top of it is going to come crashing down 
So they have to go back to the point where the mistake was made, correct the mistake, and move on from there. Okay. Um, there's other possibilities too, like if there, if say whether it was the police, the IRS, the prosecutor, the judge, anybody did something outside of their own rules, some kind of a due process or a procedural error, then that can that can void everything that came after it as well. Okay. So there's some uh, some pretty good tricks we got that we can use to uh, protect ourselves, I guess. Okay. Um, when it comes to now, these I've gotten these letters prepared. I've prepared these letters to send off, and I wanted to try to send them as early as possible, being that the date is going to be here soon. And, you know, one of them, once again, is a, a fair warning notice, and the other one is just a notice. And so um, on one of them, I'm just trying to trying to debate or which one do I send first because I'm running out of time, you know. Um, do I send the fair warning notice first, letting them know, you know, it's on here as I require the court to take notice of the fact that the plaintiff is a fictitious entity and its attorney has engaged in the unauthorized practice of law and if it, uh, is in criminal contempt of this state Supreme Court. That's one of them. And then the other one is the notice, basically the rescission, um, you know, stating that I, you know, don't, you know, there, there's no benefit to neither I or uh, my person, you know, the actual rescission itself. So do I send the notice first and then the rescission or the rescission and then the notice or both? Um, I would say eventually something will have to get filed on the official record with the court, but I'm wondering if it might be an idea to send out a bunch of letters first. Okay. Um, so my is, plan, I guess, okay, I'm sorry. When, when are you supposed to turn yourself in, the beginning of March or the end? It's the middle of March. And I'm, yes. it's in California, and I'm in North Carolina right now, so I have to take some time to, to get there, drive there, if I do have to leave. And I'm also expecting too, so that's why I'm another another thing that I'm really really concerned about. Um, I'm about three months pregnant. Yeah, that's pretty important. Um, the good thing about letters and notices is that you don't have to actually go there. Another good thing oh. about letters and notices is at least that way it's all in writing as opposed to over the telephone where they can just deny everything. Okay. Um, so the, the fair warning notice I was going to send to the judge, um, the um, attorney general or the assistant attorney general rather, and then the court of, um, the clerk of court. And then the rescission I was just going to send to the clerk of court. 
Is that correct? Um, well, who specifically was the agreement with, you know? Um, Kesley Stewart was the one that brought the charge about who is the assistant attorney general. See, there's a few things I'm a little unsure of too. I uh, I admit I'm very unfamiliar with the IRS code, but one thing. Um, now this isn't the IRS. This is um, what is it? Uh, this is a federal indictment for this is this had to do with a, a white collar. Offense. It, was it based on a tax return? No, this was based on business real estate. So I'm just trying to, like I said, trying to get the help to modify the order that I signed. Yeah, it's important to find the proper man or woman that to send the proper letter or notice to. And that's um, what I'm saying. This is Kesley Stewart. She's the one that the the assistant U.S. attorney. She's the one that brought the charges. Her name is on on these documents. Or you said the assistant attorney attorney general? Yes. And were they in the courtroom at the time, or at any time? She was. Yes, I remember seeing her. Yes. But she wasn't the prosecutor, though, right? Or was she? Yes. best way to handle stuff like this is to find the exact man or woman and the exact document that they signed that led to all this. It's kind of like, uh, if well, pretty much if you send the letter to the wrong man or woman, they're going to ignore it completely and they have every right to if it's got nothing to do with them. Like if my next door neighbor broke your, if, if my next door neighbor broke your front window and you send a letter to me telling me to pay for the window, I can ignore it because I had nothing to do with it. You sent it to the wrong guy. Right. So, well, I'm saying that like Kesley Stewart, her signature is on all, all these documents. When I was there with the attorneys, the public the attorney that appointed, I'm sorry, the appointed attorney for me, public defender, um, they did a lot of conversation with Kesley, and when the judgment was done, her email is one of the emails that the judgment was sent to, or copies. 
she's been she's cc'd on everything and a lot of the documents i have her signatures on everything including my in my original indictment yeah usually anybody that puts their well anybody any anytime somebody puts their signature on a document they're liable for the document they signed so usually if you get a piece of paper with a signature on it that's probably a good place to start so she's definitely involved that's for sure yes um but my thought is somebody had to bring it to her attention she didn't just wake up one day and say hey i'm going to charge somebody with something so before she was involved there had to be a man or woman putting their name on a document accusing you of something I'm not exactly sure who that would be. And in there, Bobby's paperwork, they, um, they've put in an order um, restricting what information he's allowed to have access to. And I'm not really sure why they did all that. But just... Um, looking at the case file it's kind of hard to figure out what's going on because they're hiding information for some reason i'm not exactly sure if that's what's going on with you specifically but okay so if there were several people that were upset or whatever and and the case was built around several complaints, but I didn't get those complaints. Is do I still send this notice to Kesley Stewart and the judge and the court? Um. Well. Kesley is obviously one of the main um, main characters in there, so she's going to have to get some kind of letter or notice or several letters and several notices. But it just might take me a little while to figure out um, exactly who played what role and, and what they actually did that has to be corrected. Okay. Um, how many documents did you sign? Like one or two, or was there a lot of things you signed? Or Yeah, there were. I mean, when I met with the attorney, they had me sign a plea agreement. They told me that was the best route. Because if I went to trial, they were going to give me, it could, I could face up to 30 years. So their conclusion was to get out of um, going to trial is to just take one of the pleas and agree to that. So they had me sign something, uh, you know, regarding that plea agreement, like a plea, I think it's, um, can't think of the name of it, plea, uh, like a CAC agreement or something like that where the judge had 
um, room to sentence me up to a certain term but couldn't go over the term. And I could not appeal it. And there were, they were pushing for probation, which she didn't give me probation. As a matter of fact, she threw in a bunch of other charges in there that I did not plead to that I, you know, and gave me physical time instead of probation. So that agreement itself is what I signed uh, beforehand, before she came out and actually sentenced me. So you you mean you signed a plea agreement and then the sentence you got was different? Yes. Hmm. Well, it was within the guidelines, but she... Her justification for giving me um, imprisonment inside versus probation, she threw in charges that I did not agree to. But the plea agreement was so broad and vague that it allowed her to do that, and I didn't realize that. which was also a simple mistake. You had no idea what all those crazy lawyer words meant. You thought you were getting one thing and found out you were getting something else. Right. Hmm. And when I tried to go back and appeal, it was too late for me to do that. So they've been just giving me more time to get my child, my child, my property together. So how many how many charges do you have altogether? It's just one now. It was seven, but it's down to the one. How did you get so much extra time before you had to turn yourself in? Um, because the my my family basically, I have five. I have three girls and two boys, and we were trying to figure out where they were going to go. And so they gave me more time to figure that out. And in the process, I got engaged, so he's, you know, agreed, or we went to court to get a guardianship of two of my children. And the other three are going back to, or they are now back in California and over Christmas, I learned that I'm expecting again. So they don't know that, but the original extension came from me trying to get my family together. I've been fighting this for the past, um, I was indicted in 2011. So this thing came about last year um, as far as the sentencing. 
And I'm guessing you weren't there for the grand jury hearing? No. Well, uh, for the indictment, no, I wasn't. Yeah, I'm not sure why they always do that, but it's my understanding that you have every right to be there for the grand jury indictment hearing and you get to give your evidence and testimony to the grand jury before they come down with an indictment. It just okay. doesn't seem fair that the other team gets to tell their side of the story and you don't get to say anything. They seem to do that a lot. So I'm guessing another option might be to uh, require uh, a hearing. Um, I'm not sure if that will take the indictment away, but if if you were supposed to be there for the hearing and you were, and they were supposed to allow you a chance to give evidence, that might take the indictment away, but I'm not sure if they'll... See, they, they have certain rules that they're bound to follow, but it's no surprise that they don't always follow their own rules. Okay. Sometimes you can hold them accountable for doing the wrong thing, but... Sometimes they just completely ignore everything and gets a little hard to hold people accountable sometimes. But it's another option. Okay. Another possibility is if your lawyer made any huge mistakes or if your lawyer was lying to you or something like that, that's another option. Well, I think that's definitely a big part that I'm really, really um, frustrated about because the attorney that they appointed, I had several attorneys. Uh, one, I had a civil attorney when this first started that was handling trying to settle with the people that lost funds uh, when I had stepped down from my company. And I went back to try to correct um, a lot of the mistakes that were happening uh, from the people that were running the company. And I was with the attorney making settlements with these people individually. And he, he did a lot of work in 2007 into 2008. And I learned that the attorney that was appointed by the court, I had asked them to speak to the other attorney. He was willing to talk to them on getting the records that we were trying to resolve the problems beforehand. And I learned after the fact, uh, after I was sentenced, this is what made me try to go get, get an appeal, but it was too late, um, they didn't even call them. And I told them, I said, how can you fight for me if you can't present to the judge the evidence that I tried to save this company? You know, I didn't intentionally defraud anyone. Um, and you know that, I mean, they know from listening to my story and the things that I went in there, I have records and documents, bank accounts of people, other people in the company taking money out of the company that was not me. 
and they did not present all of that evidence on my behalf. And I was extremely upset, and I told them, how could you not contact the original attorneys that fought all of this stuff down and to show that I tried to make amends to get this company out of the hole that it was in? And they were, you know, their excuse was, oh, well, you know, well, we couldn't reach the attorney. That's a lie because I talked to my attorney, and he said that they didn't even call. They got one email after the fact when they needed to locate um, another attorney who I had two attorneys. I had the general attorney for the company that was representing the company, and I had the attorneys that were representing me. And so that was the only – It was, and it was last year when they contacted him, not when this whole thing got started. So the, there were a lot of mistakes I felt that they made. So I would say that's one more step would be to write a letter to that lawyer and let him know that basically he fell below the the standard of practice and um, he didn't adequately provide a defense for you. That he, for one reason or another, withheld um, important evidence. Because lawyers also have a, if they're representing you, they have a duty and an obligation to keep you informed of what's going on in your case. So there are certain rules they have to follow. So if your if your lawyer made big mistakes and that that caused harm, then that's another another roadblock. They're going to have to they're going to have to go back and fix it or do something. If the lawyer acted way out of line, another possibility is to put in a bar grievance or a complaint against that lawyer. I think they get three strikes and they're out. I'm not sure about that, but. Okay. I've never actually uh, been involved in complaining about a lawyer, but I know it's an option. My biggest concern was that they did they did not I felt like they didn't adequately represent me i mean to to really um when I first got indicted, they had assigned me an attorney that was one attorney, and he was going to have this other firm come in and help him, and she was going to do a whole um synopsis on my my life, the fact that I've never done anything wrong, never gotten in trouble, I've got a clean background, all of these things about my life, my story, my mental history, my parents. And when the court assigned the new attorneys, they dropped that firm and said, we don't need all of that. We'll just take over from here. We've got everything we need. And I, I felt then that, oh, boy, this is not this is not going to work. And sure enough, it didn't. Um, yeah, I, yeah. So, uh, another possibility then would be to write a letter to a man or a woman who works at that other law firm and require them to send you the documents. Because if they put in a whole bunch of work and got a whole bunch of information together by request of your lawyer, 
then I would think that they're obligated to supply that information. Well, they they didn't. That's, that was the problem that I had. Um, the attorney that I'm still in contact with, they have records, and I've got those records too, but um, it's it's the ones that came in that the that the court appointed that didn't get those records. They only got the records that the the um, federal bureau gave them. The the stuff that they provided to them, the complaints, I guess, and the the documents that they claimed um, were the reasoning for my charges. kind of a strange coincidence that the court-appointed lawyer chose to ignore a whole bunch of information. Right. Right. But the way I see it is if your lawyer requested this other law firm do all this work on your behalf, you already paid for all that stuff. This other law firm wasn't doing anything for free, and your lawyer, especially your court-appointed lawyer, None of, nobody else was paying for this. Pretty sure it was coming all out of your pocket. The, you mean the ones that were appointed by the court the first time? Well, you had a lawyer, and that lawyer contacted this other law firm to do to do a whole bunch of work for him. No, the attorney that was um, appointed to me by the court the first time was a single guy. He was an older gentleman that worked by himself. And he was trying to get another law firm in to help him uh, via the request through the court to help him to pay for that. And so that never happened. Instead, what they did was they changed me to a whole other law firm that was a little bit bigger. And instead of them doing the road that he was going to try to get all of this stuff on me, they started a whole nother route where they didn't get any of my information from my previous attorney that I had before, which was a civil attorney. I had a civil attorney um, in 2007. And um, when I ran out of money, um, you know, he obviously, he, you know, motioned to step down in 2008. But by that time, we hadn't heard anything from the FBI or anybody else. Um, we thought that it was kind of somewhat died down. And then so from 2008 till all the way to 2011, the end of 2011 is when they came to my job and arrested me. So do you know how much how much time they're trying to give you now? You've already been 40, sentenced, right? Yeah, it was sentenced to 48 months at the uh, Dublin facility, which is a little um, camp in, in California. Are they ordering you to pay money back? 
Yes. Uh, to, uh, me and the co-defendant is obligated to pay $2.3 million. Now, my co-defendant got five years probation, no time. And she's now her signature is on a lot of the documents that was in the company way, like, even after I stepped down. And I'm just trying to figure out why they gave her probation and me in time when a lot of her signatures are on those properties that got sold. Sounds like she made a deal. Yeah, I know. I know that's what it is. All the Everybody pointed their finger at me because I was the owner. You know, it, it, that's really the bottom line. You know, they it was more or the fact that I actually own this company. You know, forget the fact that I've had a clean record. Forget the fact that the previous three years I had run the company with no problems. When I got sick and stepped down and allowed my VP to take over, things went haywire. And because I was still responsible, things were happening within the company that I didn't even wasn't even aware of until later, and I went back to try to clean it up and trying to fix things and trying to, and, and trying to communicate with all of the people that lost, and none of that was even mentioned in, in this whole process with the new attorneys. The old attorneys went back and fought, and they bought me that time. You know, they a lot of the a lot of the stuff going back and forth. They couldn't touch me because of the fact that I was trying to restore and trying to do what I could. You know, but you know, after I couldn't pay them anymore, you know, I went to Vegas and made. I had another. I had uh, two more children, or I had the two children during this period of time, and I was getting evicted here. I was trying to work. I was struggling. Gotten on well, getting on welfare and trying to make it. Live, you know, I was trying to live and survive and take care of my kids by myself. And so I think in that process, I don't think they could. I don't know if they, they used the word they couldn't find me, but my name was the same. Um, well, I got divorced, but then you know, still my social security is the same. And so, you know, when they finally caught up with me, you know, this whole thing was brought back to surface that I didn't even know that was still there. Do you have access to this other woman's file? I don't have access to her file. Um, I have her, I mean, her name is in, it's Brenda Michelson. She's the one that, that's in the... the um, indictment papers that um, I gave you, Bobby, uh, she's in there. Um, I probably have somewhere like her personal stuff because the company, um, I don't know, I don't know if I could put my hands on it or not because a lot of documents got lost, but that's the only thing that I would have of her. Was she a witness against you at your trial? I didn't have a trial. She... She oh, yeah. was co-defendant. Yeah, she was a co-defendant. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming that with her attorney, she was saying things against me, of course. Yeah, I'm just guessing, but she probably said that you told her to do everything. She was just yep. following orders. Yep, that's exactly what she said. And she gave mm-hmm. a whole bunch of evidence against you to them 
to get herself off the hook. That's the only reason why her signatures were on this, because you told her to do it. Yep, that's what she said. And that's what many of them are saying. You know, and and the thing what they're not seeing, they're saying that, that my lavish lifestyle changed during this period of time, and I was trying to express to them, no, it didn't. First of all, the first investment was $25,000. I was already at a seven-figure the year prior. I had five homes already, several cars. There was no, there was no reason for me to do that except to take the company to another level and to be creative with helping people get into homes. And what was happening was instead of my uh, independent contractors going out and getting these properties and putting uh, investors in non-owner-occupied properties, they were putting them in owner-occupied properties at 100% financing, and the people had no intent on living in the houses. And that's not what I designed the program to do. So you know, of course, they're going to say, well, she's, you know, she said to do it this way. That's not how it was done. And I hadn't been doing it that way the previous three years. So, so that's, that's, you know, that's the story. <laughs> well, usually if somebody says you did something, instead of saying, no, I didn't, ask them what evidence they have. If they open their big mouth, then they're they're going to have to back it up. Once you say, but once you say, no, I didn't, now it's just a controversy. Right, and that's what it became because what they used, they used one contract that there was a, a young man in, that was hired by, you know, that I brought into the company that I saw that had potential. He um, was well-spoken. And I hired him, and he needed a place to live, so I sold him one of my properties. And he wasn't making the income yet, but, you know, his job, basically what he did was he went under a stated program, and he stated that he made a certain amount of money. So we used that. Now, what came back at me is the fact that he didn't actually make that income. And I said, well, he did make it under my company. Now, previously, you know, he probably didn't. He, but this was a stated income, stated asset program that he was going under. And they were like, well, the fact that he didn't actually make that income prior, but you signed off on the documents, he's saying that you told him to say this. And so here is an example of a disgruntled, person that's no longer working for me that's upset that he doesn't have the house anymore, but I helped him. And they're using that one that one example to show that the why the others followed in that direction. And so that was hard to come back at because yes, I helped this gentleman get into this house and he was making the money to make his mortgage payments, but when the company went belly up and they went back, they felt like he couldn't, you know, he couldn't um, maintain that residence even though it was like a year later. So that's what, that's what they're using against me. Yeah, I don't know how um, co-defendants make an impartial witness. 
somebody that's got some kind of a motive to testify against you isn't really very impartial. Well, I tell you, um, I don't know what exactly took place. I'm sure that something like that went down because my the VP of the company, she got no time. Or she got she she's got some plea bargain because she did something where she cooperated with them, and this person took close to a million dollars out of my company. I have checks that that she's written to herself, and unexplained checks. One for like four hundred some thousand dollars to herself. Another one's similar. And when I showed the attorneys that, they said, "Well, you know, she she she's cooperating." Wow, really? <laughs> you know, like, okay, clearly this person went to them first because she knew she was the one that was doing all this dirt, but I'm the one that, you know, I, so I'm not surprised. I mean, it, it, a lot of them got that because they were coming after me. Yeah, the courts, they, um, most of what they do is operating under presumption. And a lot of what they do is based completely on hearsay evidence and testimony. So it's a it's a bit of a pain, but as soon as you hear something that is incorrect, you have to rebut it immediately. Okay. If there's something that you forgot to rebut or you realize it later, you can go back and correct the mistake. That's very important that you can always correct the mistake. So under the terms that they're saying that I can't appeal the judge's decision under this law, my rights, I can actually go back and rescind um, what I pled to, or I can clearly say that I made a mistake kind of thing, and they have to honor that. Yep. Yeah, if you were if you were purposely misled, they're not allowed to do that. Okay. If they flat out lie or um if there was important evidence that was supposed to be brought forth and it wasn't, that's a bit of a problem. Um anytime it doesn't matter if it's a corporation or another man or woman, nobody is allowed to harm a man or a woman. What these courts are doing, I'm sure you realize they're attacking your legal person. They're not attacking you, the woman. They're attacking the legal name. Regardless of whether you want to call the person, a corporation, a trust, uh, an agreement, whatever it is, that's what they're attacking. So it doesn't really matter what they're doing. If it's causing harm to the woman, they got to stop. Okay. Government exists for the benefit of man and to secure and protect property of man. They are not allowed to cause harm to a man. Okay. 
it's good you have what about a month and a half roughly um kind of sort of yeah as far as turning myself physically in yes but you know i i'm looking at the fact that i need um to factor in that i'm coming from across the country if i do have to turn myself in so really just a month Another option is always um, to renegotiate the contract. Like you can revoke and rescind, you can correct mistakes, you can also negotiate. So there's several options. It sounds like there's um, several things that went wrong that need to be corrected. So you can spend the next month and a half or so just firing paperwork out to everybody. Just correcting one mistake at a time. And the good thing is these letters, they only have to be one, two, three, four sentences long. They don't have to be several pages. The more you say, the worse, the worse you're going to end up. I'm sure if you've listened to Carl for any length of time, you realize that the the letters have to be short and to the point and um, very common basic words, no big fancy lawyer talk. Okay. Yes, I, I do. Yeah. Which is good because that's what takes up the time writing all 15 page documents thinking you have to talk about every, every last detail. A lot of the times, uh, People are putting all kinds of details in there that are completely irrelevant and they end up contradicting themselves or leaving their paperwork open for attack, people twisting words and things like that. Now, when I, oh, I one little question, this might be a silly question, but when I write the letters and I put down on the bottom a woman, am I signing a woman or am I signing Kanye Hill? On top of that, a woman. You know how you put, you know, a woman, and then you, you have to you sign with your signature. Um, I don't know. Everybody's got their own different opinion on stuff like that. The way I see it is sign your name the way you usually sign your name, but okay. in the letter or notice, you're clearly defining yourself as a woman. Okay. The way I see it in a nutshell is when you were born, your parents gave you a name and they registered the event of your birth. They didn't sign you over to the government. They didn't give their kid away or anything ridiculous like that. They just registered the event that, that a man or a woman was born. And then to me, that's where that stops. And then the government steps in, they look at the registration of birth, and then they make their own their own set of documents based on the document your parents filed, and they made their own legal person, or for lack of a better term, they created a corporation that had a name very similar to yours, and they're attacking the legal person that they created because they don't have jurisdiction over a man they have jurisdiction over a legal person. Okay. So the way I see it, 
your name is your name and the name they created that's a lot like your name is their name they created they created a separate name that's very similar to yours whether it's in all caps or not is kind of irrelevant okay like for an example my name's Michael Miller and in my city alone I've actually met another Michael Miller and I've also speaking to cops one day I got accused of being the wrong Michael Miller but there's there's nothing stopping two people from having the exact same name well very similar names okay so if your name coincidentally is the same uh, is similar to the name the government created that's fine it's still two different names okay and when i'm addressing um because one of these letters is going out to the judge um am i addressing her just as uh just by her name because on the thing she's what the honorable phyllis j Ham uh, hamilton u.s district judge am i saying all that on the on the envelope to her in her addressing addressing to her mm -hmm. without you would not you would only reference her as a judge if you are writing to her as a defendant but if you're writing to her as a woman just use her name okay that's what i that's, that's what i was trying to make sure i was doing right because i just put her name i didn't do the whole thing because we're that's not you know what i'm yeah <laughs> well for one i don't know how honorable she is so i don't know if i'd be interested in calling her honorable right that's what i was thinking so and listening to Carl's a lot of what he was would explain to people, um, I just I, I was kind of making sure that this was in that same type of category where I would not put that because when yeah okay yeah even when I'm in court I don't say yes your honor or yes judge I just say yes I don't call them by their first name. I don't call them by their title. I just answer the question or ask the question. I don't actually specifically address them as anyone or anything. So that leads me to another question. And so in, in the, when sending these letters, um, of course, I, obviously, like you said, I don't have to actually appear in the court down there. But would there be a scenario do you think that i would have to go down there to appear in front of this same judge or the same person or magistrate um i'm not really sure but if you're writing letters back and forth mm -hmm. then you're you're trying to you're trying to settle an issue and hopefully just being in communication with them they would push back the date that you're to turn yourself in because you're still negotiating you're still trying to settle in private okay so that's one possibility hopefully if you don't get anything straightened out before the day you turn yourself in they might just extend that date okay another thing too is um being honorable and being polite and respectful is important for an example if you just decided 
oh, I'm just going to jump across the border and hang out in Canada and I'm going to completely ignore them. They're going to find you. They're going to drag you back there and they're going to throw the book at you because you just said, piss off. I don't care. I'm leaving. And that's kind of dishonorable. Um, right. I wouldn't do anything like that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. If you're polite and respectful, you're not hiding from them. You're communicating, trying to work out the issue. They're more than likely to be a little more fair. It's kind of like if you miss a court date and you turn yourself in, they immediately drop the failure to appear because you you did the right thing, you were honorable, you showed up and you, you corrected the mistake. Whereas if they come banging on your door and they drag you in in cuffs, they had to come looking for you. So at that point, they'll keep you in jail until you sign some kind of paperwork and bond out. So whether people like to believe it or not, being polite, respectful, and honorable does go a long way with these people. Same thing if you're if you're standing in the courtroom and you're yelling and you're swearing and you're doing all kinds of crazy stuff, things aren't going to go well for you. But if you're polite and respectful, they're at least going to listen. They might not do what you want them to do, but they'll at least listen. Okay. And I like, um, actually, I love punching holes in their case by writing polite, simple letters and just asking very basic, relevant questions. Because if you say, I'm not this, I didn't do that, and I refuse this, and I refuse that, then you just look like a bit of a jerk. But if you're asking relevant questions, and they're very short, plain, simple questions, they either have to answer or they have to ignore you. And if they ignore you, they're in dishonor. And if you go to court and you have 15 letters as exhibits that you are politely trying to get answers and clarify what exactly is going on and they ignored you 15 times, that's going to look really bad on them in court. And if you send threatening letters, you're probably going to go to jail. So it's very, very important to be polite and honorable and respectful. Be short and to the point and keep everything very relevant. That's what makes it really hard for these people to get around. Okay. Yeah, I'll still give you my follow-up too, Mike, over that. Uh, I know it's something insignificant, but and I was just going to try to put everything I've been learning to something insignificant to see if it works out. But uh, with uh, I was just writing letters back regarding a uh, correction of my vehicle, and it's just a Wendleton ticket. But my first letter was real simple with, like, uh, who is this? Who are you to me? What do you wish me to do? I didn't hear any response after, like, a month, so I sent another letter back, kind of like a, a follow-up. I know, I know it was 30 days too late, but it was still a follow-up letter. You know, asking you know, hey, listen, I, I sent a notice or sent a letter to, to 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 the address that I received something from, and I don't understand the notice. Please respond back. I got a letter from a traffic clerk. Gave me her first or his or her first initial, so I just responded back with 
thank you, V, um, for the letter you sent me. Here's a notice you're, uh, that uh, I don't understand. So, uh, so far as I am right now, I mean, I haven't heard anything back from this. So it's already been about five months, me just going back and forth. And I was already told in the first letter, if I don't take care of it, then they're going to add like 300 more dollars to, you know, so whatever. I, I don't know. But, yeah, it's uh, definitely kind and polite in the uh, notices. And so, just giving you a heads up. <laughs> yeah, and in the event you do get a response from, from one of these people, chances are what, what they write in their letter is going to be completely ridiculous. It's funny, when you ask one or two very basic questions, they'll give you a half a page or a full page letter, and it's all a bunch of nonsense. They're just going all the way around the issue, and they'll say everything but answer your question. Well, the ridiculous part about it is that uh, we don't understand the notice you were talking about, but yet on, on the notice they sent me, it has the citation number, uh, the day of the event, and asking me to pay the correction. So I'm like, man, they know what they're doing. They're just playing games with me. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, I'm just being kind and polite back, just playing the game back, and uh, going to see how this goes. Yeah. Actually, and, uh, actually sorry, I was, was going to do a follow, another uh, follow-up letter regarding this one after actually getting the name. Uh, you had kind of helped me out like another week or two ago, but the call wasn't recorded on uh, Gus's show. But I tried to go back to listen to the show, and I noticed it wasn't recorded. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I kind of remember that show. I, well, I remember the show. I don't remember everything that was talked about in that show, but... Uh, Gus was uh, doing long days and doing a lot of traveling, and uh, he was ready for bed, and he was having problems getting the talk shoe, <clears throat> the talk shoe page loaded up, so he didn't bother recording. He just talked on the phone. I'm not sure. I think I might have recorded that call. I'm not absolutely sure, but it, it, was, real, uh, it was it was real simple. Like you know, uh, thanks. Thanks again to send this one registered in the mail so that they kind of know. They kind of acknowledge the fact that they got my other letters kind of stating that they're not sure what notice I'm talking about. So. Yeah, that's another, <clears throat> another good point is um, for the price of uh, certified mail, anything that's even closely... Anything that's, anything that's even close to important, it's probably a good idea to send it registered mail so you get, uh, you get proof that they received it. That way you can go into court and say, on such and such a day I sent this letter, on such and such a day they received it, and uh, I haven't, there's no evidence that they answered my letter. So now you have the letter as evidence. You have the print-off from the computer or the green card or whatever. I'm up in Canada, so I don't know a whole lot about your, your certified yes. mail, but you'll have, that you'll have a copy of the letter as an exhibit. You'll have proof that they received it as evidence. 
and they won't be able to prove that they answered your letter. But the, a big part of the trick is um, <clears throat> laying out your whole story very clearly in chronological order. So the judge can just read it like a book and get the whole the whole picture of what's going on clearly in their mind. That's a, a good part of the reason why lawyers will write seven to fifteen pages in a document. It's because they know they don't have anything, so they gotta say a whole bunch of crap to make it look like they got something important to say. Most of the time I can take uh I can take a full page letter and condense it down to four, five, six lines. People just put way too much in their letters, usually. As an example, too, if I write a letter and say, greetings, John, is the ball in question blue or is it red? It's a very simple question. How are they going to pretend they don't understand the question? And how are they going to write a big 10-page document on red or blue? They kind of box them into a corner. They can't say, I don't understand your letter. A three-year-old will understand the letter. What's, what's his problem? This call is being recorded, so you can go back and listen to everything and take notes. All right, cool. Hey, Mike. Yep. I got one for you. All right. This is Billy. How's it going? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. So I That's got a me. summons today. Uh. I'm being sued for unlawful detainer. So they have a case file now, but I'm a little unclear as to do I just go down to the clerk, file my own claim over his complaint, and try to see the judge at the same time? I believe that's what I'm supposed to do. When did you get this? Uh, it was actually yesterday, last night. So they give uh, you five days to respond, and I don't even know what that means, respond. So I was just going to go down to the courthouse and ask them, like, what do they want for a response? What do they mean? Well, if you swear and kick your dog, that's a response. <laughs> yeah. Um, it might be a good idea to send them a letter back and say, what are you talking about? Uh, I think I'm past that point. I've been writing letters for months with these guys, and so now they're sicking the lawyers on me to, you know, they, they want us out of the home. They've been doing it for years. So now it's time to put, put my foot down and, and go heads up with them and tell them to bring the verifiable contract forward, you know. But in, but 
What's you that? were communicating back and forth with somebody privately, and then all of a sudden, this lawyer jumped in. Exactly. Might so, wanna, uh, you might want to send a letter to that lawyer and ask him if he's interfering in a private contract, if he's meddling or interloping. Yeah, I've already wrote him a letter, but uh, basically when I mailed it, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was last Monday. And I had mailed the letter, and then the following day, uh, when was Martin Luther? I don't know. When was the last holiday we had? I don't know. I got and different you. holidays than you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. We had some damn holiday, and I couldn't mail it for the next day. The next day, I got the, uh, I think it was a five-day notice. Yeah, that's what I got. It was a five-day notice. And then that's what happened. I got the five-day notice. That was on a Thursday. And then you got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday was a holiday. So then I was able to mail my letter out on Tuesday. But the following, that, that day, which is, how did they get the response? I guess, anyway, I just got this response on Sunday, the summons. So I, I don't even know if they got my letter before they, you know, put their uh, complaint in to, to sue me. I basically, you know, told them they're trying to cause a man harm. This is my property. I have full right here. I told them I was nominated as executor of the family matters, and I wanted to see the book records. And Anyway, they sent the uh, some other dudes. I've never even met this guy. Now he's attacking me. And he says, you're being sued by the bank for unlawful detainer. And uh, I owe $83 a day for every day. <laughs> so anyway. So I wonder if that's <clears throat> Mr. or Mrs. the bank. Well, yeah, that's uh -oh. going to be fun. Uh, you might so want to send them a letter and... Uh, just say, greetings, Joe. I believe you sent me this this quote complaint in error um, maybe you did not receive um, maybe you did not receive my letter mailed out on such and such a date before you sent the complaint okay so the saying, I sent you a letter maybe you didn't get my letter you sent this to me by accident because you didn't get my letter yet but I'm mailing your 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 crap back to you Okay, so the court wants me to respond to them as well. That's what they're saying. You have to respond to the court and to the, the people, the, the plaintiff. So there's already a case file. Well, if you're, if you're supposed to respond to, quote, the court, whoever that is, you might want to tell them that this matter is being set out in private. I don't know. I've, ne I've never given a response to the court. If you if you step on my toe and I write you a letter saying you owe me for the medical bill and then you write back to me and then I just sue you right away, 
I'm the one in dishonor because we're supposed to be settling this private. We have a, a private communication going, and then you just brought it out, and then I just brought it out in the public for no reason. Because the public can't interfere with a private a private contract. If you're trying to settle it in private, then there is no there is no controversy to bring into the court yet. You're still trying to settle the controversy. Right. So, like I said, I, I wrote his the first lawyer that I knew about, and then I emailed with the vice president and the lawyer at the same time, and they stopped responding with the emails. So I wrote the CEO, and then some other manager of the trustees wrote me back. And while all this corresponding was going on, bam, I get a five-day notice that I'm unlawfully detaining my property. So I'm like, you know what? I don't really know how to respond except put a claim in because that's what I've been studying. I've been studying putting a claim. So what kind of response do they want? Just a letter? Somebody's making a lot of noise in the background. You know it if you can. Star six or mute. Did you hear the question, Mike? Uh, no, no, there's noise. Sorry. Yeah, it was the uh, response. So, you know, this guy sends me a summons on Sunday. I read it. it says you're being sued, unlawful detainer. We're charging eighty-three dollars a day plus court fees plus we're gonna uh, lawyer costs and all the everything. Okay. So then, at the back of it, there's one page that says if you would like to file a claim you have to write this letter or sign this document. And it says you have five days to respond. So I'm like, okay. Never really researched the whole respond thing before. So I started looking at it. And it seems like I'm just supposed to go over there and file my claim if someone's filing a false complaint. And then at that moment, I should be able to speak to the judge and tell them I require restoration of property. I'd like to give these people another rescission letter while all this is going down, but uh, I think this is the time to do it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what what else to say. These guys, uh, they're malicious, and so well, isn't isn't a lawful unlawful detainer? Isn't that usually when you're a tenant renting a house and the landlord's trying to get you out? Right. So my grandfather's a landlord. They're the trustee of his estate. So only he has a right to live in that house. Nobody else. And we're like, okay. That's what they're, that's what they're telling you? Yeah, that's what the trustees are telling us. Well, that's a load of crap. If I own a house, I can let anyone I want live in my house. That's right. And I have, uh, you know, documents from when my mom used to fight this, and you can hear the judge say to the attorneys, well, I believe Mr. McLean allows all his children to stay in his properties, and he always has. And that's the judge talking, saying this. And later in the conversations, as you know, my grandfather's going, I want to sell my own properties. I'm still very much alive. I can get my own business done. So it's just, you can really see how they took advantage of the legalese 
and uh, I don't know. I think it's a good time to just say, you know what, show me the document, because what they sent me was a court order. And be like, okay, that's nice. That court order doesn't have jurisdiction. Where's the document that gave it jurisdiction? Because really they're just going off of years and years and years of just getting passed to the courts, and then now this bank has it, and they think because a judge said they could have it, they can have it. Well, I want to say, show me the document that gave the judge jurisdiction. That's what I want to say. I don't believe they have one. So even if they do, I don't give a shit. Give me my property back. I don't care what you got. They've caused harm. A lot of harm. A lot of financial loss. And so I think it's now it's time to say it. I mean, they're pulling me in. I might as well join the party. Is the way I'm looking at it. They're not going to stop. I mean, I can go in there and say, you know, I can't accept that title of defendant. Where's the plaintiff? And, you know, I can go through all this and dodge bullets, but... Well, is your grandfather still alive and with a healthy mind or no? Yeah, he knows who I am. I was going to go talk to him. Just say, hey, Grandpa, and just load it on him and say, look, these fuckers want to kick us out of the house. They want to sell more properties. I want to go fight them. You know, can you sign this? And I'll have a witness there, a couple witnesses there. I'll video it. I don't care. And just say, let me go in there and kick these fuckers out of here. So I haven't done that. He was in the hospital. I called down to the hospital tonight, they said, uh, which was really weird. I you know, asked for my grandfather, and they they said, uh, he's not in the hospital anymore. Oh, I said, oh, was he released, or had he been moved? And the lady said, he's not in the hospital anymore. And I said, I heard what you said. I'm asking you, has he been released home, or was he moved to another hospital? She said, he's not in this hospital. I was like, okay, this is going over. So we're going to go by his house and see if he's home, or I hope they're not trying to hide him. I don't know. They did it before for about a year when all this shit happened. <clears throat> so, anyway, I got to respond to these guys. Telling me I can just respond to the court that I'm trying to settle this in the private and uh, respond to the attorney. Hey, I think you filed this in error. I had written you a letter explaining that I was already in correspondence with uh, Frank Holding, the CEO, and we're trying to work this out. Do you think that's a good enough response? I don't know because I've never done it. Yeah, I think that's a a pretty good start. Um, why doesn't your grandfather fire that trustee? Okay, he's not in his right mind to be running a business or firing or hiring anybody. Either way, if it's a family estate, I think the family has far more authority than any trustee that's not doing his job correctly. And that's where I I come in. Because, okay, like it's been 10 years, and, uh, you know, the whole family's scared of these attorneys and trustees because they, they literally, you know, tell us we're lucky that we're allowed to live here. And, you know, I don't know. I don't want to get into it out and shit, but uh, they're not nice to the beneficiaries at all. You know, they treat us like you should get nothing. I don't know. They pay themselves three fifty an hour, four fifty an hour. 
They fight us in court. They kick us out of our own homes. I mean, it's just enough. The fuck enough. Okay? These guys need to stop. And I'm tired of, uh, you know, wondering if I have standing, wondering if, uh, you know, Carl already told me, you'd have standing if you were in a wheelchair. If that's your grandfather and that's his property, you go in there and tell him you want the property back. So I think now it's the time, but I think, like what you were saying, responding with a nice letter first is probably the way to go. And then if he continues, go ahead and file my claim. Is that what you're thinking? Yep. Yeah, I think it might be a good idea to find uh, every family member with a set of balls and get them to write a letter or three, a letter or ten. Yeah. Maybe letters to the attorney, letters to the trustee, letters to whoever whoever has any say in anything at all. Just... Mm-hmm round up the troops and get the family to stand up. Okay. These people are used to everybody taking taking whatever comes to them. They just roll over and die. That's the reason these people have so much, uh, I don't know, bravery or whatever you want to call it. But I don't know, people, people have a a habit of getting a letter from a lawyer with a bunch of threats and extortion on it, then they shit their pants and do what they're told. And that's why these people keep doing this, because nobody says anything to them. Fear is a pretty effective tool. Yeah, I know. I could say it's crazy. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't have it like that. I don't, I never have, you know. Yeah, they, um, they use they use fear, ignorance, and uh, I don't know. They just and division, I guess. Like if the family's divided, the family's scared, and the family's ignorant, they're gonna get run over. Every last one of them. Uh, you called it right there. So listen, let, let me uh, let me get to my second question. Thank you for the first one. That's what I'll do. So after I respond and, uh, you know, this guy's a pit bull and he does what he does, when I file the claim, they already have a case file. No, I don't want to file into their case. Is that correct? Uh, if you're filing your own claim, I would I would do my own claim, my own, my own suit, my own number. Okay. I thought I had heard this before where someone has a case and you're the defendant, you just file a claim and you tell the clerk that you'd be okay to see the judge at the same time. Well, you can, you can file your own claim, your own, your own lawsuit with your own number, and you can file a notice of claim into their case. Basically, in case you guys aren't aware, I'm suing the snot out of this guy in a higher jurisdiction, just so you guys are aware of this. So you're not giving them jurisdiction over your suit, but you're letting them know what's coming. Okay. And so I'm going to go down to the courthouse in the morning or tomorrow after work and just uh, and just ask him, hey, you know, these guys... 
got a complaint against me and I would like to file a claim into the case, but I have to notice it into the case. Yeah, you're not filing it into their case. You're filing a notice of your suit into their case. And so that would get me my own case number? Well, you you can go into the courthouse and file your own claim, or you can mail your your claim into the courthouse and get your own claim. And then you can you could say something like uh, notice blah 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 whatever, and then attach your attach a copy of your claim as an exhibit to the notice. Right. Just letting you guys know that there's a lawsuit going on in a higher jurisdiction. See Exhibit A, and then just staple staple it right onto the to a copy of the claim. Yeah, you might wanna you might. Um, I don't know if you want to just put the first page of your claim as an exhibit. I don't know if you want to put all your your claims exhibits in there, but because I'm uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, showing the other side all your cards, so I don't know if I would give them all the exhibits that are going with your claim, but I I definitely make them aware that there's a claim coming, and then at that point you have a bargaining chip, and you can say, you drop your suit, I'll drop mine. But I'm um, a little unsure about filing these uh, these claims against people for false claims because if if you accuse me of stealing your bike and you file a claim against me for stealing your bike and then it turns out that my neighbor stole your bike and it wasn't me. Now I can sue you for a false claim because you didn't prove I stole your bike. You went and told the whole world that I stole your bike and you're a big fat liar now because it wasn't me. So I'm a little unclear um, how that works because you can be 100% certain in your mind that they're filing a false complaint. But if you lose in court, that's evidence that it wasn't a false complaint. And I'm sure you can still sue in your own court, but I don't know, that's a a little bit of a slippery slope for me. I'm not really sure how that works. Yeah, I think I'm just going to label it uh, administrative property without rights. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just a little... uh, a little, little hesitant to tell people to file a claim for a false complaint. Yeah. Because I'm not sure how that works, because if they win in their complaint, then in their world it's not a false complaint because they, quote, proved it was. It's not actual proof, but... Hey, so check this. I don't know if this is going to mean anything, but I was just reading up on some of these damn documents that are all over and I noticed that the the bank 
court ordered the uh, conservator of the person and the and the estate in related cases. So it's conservatorship of person. I just noticed that. I don't know if that's going to matter. Yeah, I forgot. I was going to look up the term conservator. I'm not really 100% clear on what that is, but I think there's... I, I, I don't remember what it is exactly, but I think the conservator only has right to manage the finances or something. I think as far as I can remember, the conservator has limited authority. I think it's only over the finances or something. So I don't know if they have the right to administer property unless it's to do with finances. So if you haven't looked it up, you might want to research exactly what a conservator does. Well, out here we call them thieves. <laughs> All right, I think that's uh, that's good for my questions. I'll go ahead and respond to them with a simple letter, and uh, they proceed. And so will I. Well, going back to um, about how words are important, I don't know who it was, but some smart guy said, uh, "True knowledge begins with calling things by their proper name." So that just goes more towards. Uh, figure out exactly the words they're using and throw it in their face because they might tell you oh this is what a conservator does and they're going to give you some bs answer so it's important to actually look it up and and figure out exactly what these words mean find out what they're exactly saying on paper as opposed to what's coming out of their big lying mouth yeah well that's going to be in a lot of my cfs are the uh you know, these guys are supposed to protect, you know, conserve. It's very simple. Well, these guys, you know, I have proof here. As a matter of fact, this document I'm holding gives you a dollar amount of what the estate was worth when they took it over. And then I have a current one that gives you the dollar amount of what it's worth now. So just those two documents will show you that these guys don't know how to conserve. And it's in their fiduciary duties to protect. On a side note, are they kicking a man out of the house or are they kicking an occupant or a resident out of the house? Oh, yeah, they're kicking a whole bunch of persons and occupants out of the house. Yeah, because I'm, uh, I'm not some kind of um, hostile enemy invader, some kind of soldier from a foreign land, so I don't know why they would be calling me an occupant. I'm sure yeah. you didn't I'm sure you didn't take over something that doesn't belong to you or that you have no right or authority to. I'm sure it wasn't some kind of a hostile takeover or anything like that. And if you're a resident, that would kind of mean that you're a foreigner and you're going to go back to your back to your place eventually. So I don't I don't believe you fit the category of resident either. No, just a man on his land. Yep. 
So it's another little hurdle for them. Yeah, I mean, I could tear that notice, a uh, five-day notice. I could, I mean, even the date. So I, I get this notice, right? It's perfect how they did it. This is how shitty they are. He says it's on the 13th, right? The note, the notice is on the 13th. But I get it on the 15th, which I believe was a Thursday. Okay, so that gave me Thursday night, Friday, and Saturday to respond and get it in the mail, which I wasn't able to. So then Sunday came, and then the holiday which now, according to when he served it, the five days are up. So well, every time there's a holiday, sorry, any time there's a holiday, like I think just about any situation on the planet, any time there's a holiday, they have to allow for one extra day. So if you have five days to respond, one of those days is a holiday, then you have six days to respond. Right. And... A mistake's a mistake. They can't put a time limit on correcting a mistake. He did it real nasty. It was, you know, it's fun. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what these guys want to do now. It's, uh, I got a couple things I got to do in the family. Like I have some of these guys step up to the plate, write a letter, and pump their chest out and tell them fuck you. Yeah, you can, like tomorrow, you can send a a letter to Bob, a letter to Susie, a letter to Joe, a letter to Frank, a letter to Henry, a letter to Martha. And then the next day, you can write a letter to a bunch of other people. Next day, write a letter to a bunch of other people. And on top of that, every member of your family that's on board can do the exact same thing. And before you know it, there's hundreds of letters all over the place, hundreds of unanswered questions. And then you go into court with like 300 letters from family members to all kinds of people. And eventually you're going to have this person contradicting what another person says. And you're going to end up having all these persons pointing fingers at other persons and just try and catch them all in their own words, catch them not answering questions, catch them threatening and extorting, and just go into court with all these exhibits. On this day, I sent this letter to this guy, and my sister wrote a letter, my brother wrote a letter, my cousin, my nephew, my whatever, just letters everywhere. So many unanswered questions. Look at all these exhibits. Yeah, I love that. Because paper rules their world, so just death by a thousand paper cuts. Just keep firing the paper. It's a big paper fight. Death by a thousand exhibits. (laughs) Like, I'd rather sit in the comfort of my own home and uh, write out a bunch of letters and get dragged into court and get stomped on in court. And if you can get the whole family behind you protecting the the family estate... You're pretty much taking statutes right out of the equation. Yeah, it was nice when you guys were when you guys were uh, allegedly protecting the family estate, but you guys are way over way way across the line now. You're doing a terrible job. You're causing harm. You're threatening, extorting. You're doing all this crazy crap. It's got to stop immediately. Yep. That's what's happening. 
it's uh it's a good learning lesson. I mean, I'm still you know in my early forties, so uh I got in my fifties, I'd be pretty good at this shit. Yeah, and I love mistakes. Remember, no matter what you do, you can always correct your mistake. Always, always, always. Never a time limit on correcting a mistake. If you do go into court and you get your ass kicked, go home and start writing. I don't know if it's the same with everybody, but... Usually if I have a bad day in the courtroom, I got a really good idea of what I did wrong before I even leave the courthouse. And that's partly because most of the answers are inside me, but when I'm in court and I'm a little nervous and stressed out and these guys are playing word games with me, it gets uh, a little confusing thinking that quickly. And then as I'm processing what just happened in there, I usually have a pretty good idea of what mistakes I made before I even get home. Might also be a good idea to, um, if there's if there's something that happened in court, if there's something very important, you might wanna see about getting the transcripts for that or the recording, <clears throat> especially when uh, I don't remember what you were saying. The judge, oh, when the judge said, uh, I believe that his father wants his his kids living in the house. When judges say stuff like that, it's good to have their words quoted. Yeah, I have my mom. She was pretty slick. She, uh, you know, she lost the, the fight but we're not going to lose the battle. So she kept all the certified copies of what was said in court. And so I had just been humming through them, reading about, you know, what they were talking about. Sure enough, I ran across this one where my mother and my grandfather were standing in court, uh, you know, asking the court basically what, I know that, okay, so they had agreed that my grandfather wasn't really doing a good job of running his shit and that we should just sell a property and, you know, pay everybody so we're back to normal. Well, that's that's terrible. Your grandfather wasn't doing a good job of protecting his own property. That sounds like a bunch of opinion to me anyway. Yeah, it was, you know, it's what it was. So, you know, my mom, my grandfather are standing there, and so you can hear the lawyers and the judge start talking back and forth, back and forth, saying they're going to sell this, they're going to sell that, and then my my grandfather says, hang on a second. Well, why do I need them to sell one of my properties? I can sell my own property. And my wife and I are still very much alive. We can sell our own property. And he says this. And then so I keep reading on and on and on. And then that's uh, something about how his kids were living in this house. And the judge, you know, my grandparents, my mom and my grandfather obviously weren't in the room at the time because the judge was speaking with the lawyer. And the judge said to the lawyer, uh, I believe... Uh, I don't know if he said believe, but he thinks that Mr. McLean always allowed his children to live in his home. And so those were going to be part of my exhibits saying, look, you know, here's exhibit A, B, C, D, E, F, D of my mother fighting, trying complaints. I have complaint after complaint after complaint she filed. I have uh, 
you know, her petitioning the court for conservatorship so that she can be the guardian of my grandfather and the administrator of the estate. You know, all these case files that I can send in as exhibits showing, look, we have tried to work with these people, but they have torn the estate down to zero. Not zero, but, you know, in half. Well, here's so, here's another thought is if you have all this evidence of stuff your grandfather was saying while he was competent, that's still evidence. My grandfather said that he wants me living in the house. He said this back in whatever year it was, and to my knowledge, he hasn't changed his mind. This is what he said. This is how he feels. He hasn't changed his mind yet. I don't know why you guys believe anything has changed. Even get your grandfather to write a letter, even if they say that he's not competent now. Get your grandfather to write a letter saying, this is what I said back in the day, and I stand by my word today. Yeah. Well, I guess I can't find him today, so I'm going to keep hunting to see if he went home or he's in another hospital or where the hell, where they put him. And I, even when I go to visit him, they got the 24-hour nursing. I mean, these nurses are so rude. It's so uncomfortable. They'll sit there. This is no joke. I go, I got my son on my lap, and I'm talking with my grandfather. And the nurse walks up and keeps saying to my grandfather, calm down, calm down. And I, and I finally said to her, hey, you know, could you stop interrupting us? We're just talking. He's fine. You know, he's, he's fine. And she, she got real rude with me. And then so later she came back and she said, you need to calm down. He's going to leave tomorrow and forget all about you. She said this to my grandfather. And I just looked at her and I jumped right down her throat. I said, how dare you say that? What is wrong with you? She's this little Spanish lady. I was just like, man, this is so out of control. I go upstairs to see uh, my aunt and uncle live up there and I try to walk down the the hallway door, and they got it locked. I'm like, what's, what's the door locked for? Oh, we don't allow anybody down there past 5 o'clock. What? If I want to see my grandfather at 6, you're not going to allow it? And that's what they're doing. So there's a whole bunch of shitty stuff going on. And, uh, yeah, see, that's, that's why it's a good reason to bring a recording device everywhere you go. Catch these people saying stupid shit on tape. Well, I didn't that night. I just, you know, it was just the nurse. I didn't, there was no lawyer or anything around. It was just, I don't know, it's been so crazy, Mike. I, I, at this point, you know, now they're attacking me, and they gave my brother a 60-day notice. He lives right next door, and I just said, you know what? Game on. Let's go in there. You show me the contract that says you have jurisdiction to make any order of anything, anywhere. Just show me the contract. That's all I want to see. You guys can't produce a contract. I require immediate restoration. That's it. Because all they have is a court order. Well, put that order on the stand. i got a couple questions for you. How are they going to respond to that? And there's another thing, too, the option of voiding the order. Well, 
this is the way Carl put it. They are employees, just like trustee, employee. He said, what happens if you were working for me and I didn't like you anymore and I fired your fucking ass? He says, what are you going to do about it? He said, well, not much. He said, yeah, well, neither are they. So go over there and fucking fire them. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. It was great to hear. But, uh, you know, I've been doing the letter writing for a couple months now and trying to talk to the family. And, you know, like I said, most of them, they don't want nothing to do with it. They care less. They don't, they don't just, I hear no evil, see no evil. So, here we are. Yeah, nobody seems to care until terrible shit happens to them. Then all of a sudden they, they bitch and complain. Well, yeah. See, as soon as Grandpa goes, they're supposed to now sell everything. That means 10 family members are out on the street. Yeah, they're going to give us a few bucks, whatever's left over after they rape it. Yep. And so, you know, I'm trying to explain to my family, look, when Grandpa goes, if if we want to sell all our properties, then we will sell our properties. If we want to keep our properties, then we will keep them. But it will be the family's decision, not some banks. This is crazy, and it's like I can't get that through their head. Yeah, I would. So, uh, I would definitely think about firing the whole lot of them, and just run it as a private family estate. Have family members in charge of all of it. I don't know what you would need in a private family estate, but have your own trustee, your own conservator, your own executor, your own named beneficiaries, have your own uh, one family wants to one family member wants to quit or they die or whatever, there's another family member that's gonna come in and take their place. Just have family votes or something. Every year, instead of a family reunion, have a family estate meeting or something. Right. Who's fucking up and who's who's going to take their place? Right. I think so that's a big part of it. That's is- how it should be, but, you know, like I said, it's been this game of uh, battling these people with their laws for, mm-hmm. you know, this long. And then here we are, you know, just like I predicted, the, uh, they're coming after these homes and... You know, I gotta put my foot down. I gotta, I gotta say enough. Show me something, anything, for the love of God, because everything I've asked for. This last letter I wrote the CEO. I told him that the family has nominated me executor of family matters for the trust, and the trustee. I said I now require all certified, complete copies of bank statements, sales of properties court records, you know, all the shit that they're supposed to supply as trustees. But the problem I see with that is what if I wrote you a letter and saying uh, the President of the United States nominated me to be the one to kick you in the balls? That means nothing because technically I'm just saying I was nominated. So you would have to have your family nominate you on paper. Yeah, they would. It's it's my word. And when I get yeah. it, so and I got word I got them to back it up. So I don't need to prove shit to these guys when I said it, it's my word. 
And if they want to see it in court, well, I'll bring it. But the bottom line is my mother used to, you know, crack the whip on these people and find out, well, why are you selling another property? Well, what are you doing here? Well, where's the money for that? And now she passed, you know, nobody's nobody's watching them. So, yeah, the family has a right to nominate somebody to oversee this stuff. And they nominated me. Yeah, your family also has the right to wake up and grow a pair of balls and actually do something. I don't know the best way to get your family members involved, but you're going to have to uh, rally some kind of support somehow. I don't know, maybe, maybe find a couple of family members that have some brains that will listen to logic and reason and kind of shed a little bit of light on what's actually going on and what needs to be done. And hopefully you can get a few family members to help you convince more family members or something. But I think you're going to have to get the family together and do something. I got about eight of us I can sign right now, and I think that's sufficient. You know, and they'll show up the courts. And uh, if the other ones, I'm gonna, you know, write them letters explaining what, what's going on. That uh, uh, you know, the bank is suing me, I guess, so that there's gonna be a court date, and uh, they're more than welcome to come. And I'm gonna be uh, requiring a property be restored. So is there is there a court date right now for this unlawful detainer, or are they just trying to get you no, to respond? It's a summons, uh, five-day unlawful detainer. So it says you have to respond to the court and to the plaintiff within five days. It's okay. How do I respond? So they're just... They're just summonsing a response, or they're they're not actually summons you to come into court yet, right? I don't think so. I you know, no. Yeah, I would. Uh, you have five days to respond. It doesn't. I'm gonna go grab it right now. But uh, yeah, if somebody sends me an offer that they're gonna kick me out of my house, and I have five days to respond then that's the only deadline is to respond. That means we're going to have communications back and forth. So once the communications between the parties breaks down, that's when it moves into court. So if you fail to respond in five days, then they're probably going to, then they're probably going to give you a date to get out by. And then if you don't get out by that date, then they'll go and set a court date to have you kicked out because you didn't leave when they offered for you to be kicked out. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it says summons, forcible detainer eviction, notice to defendant, uh, you're being sued by plaintiff, first citizen bank, trust company. And then it gives you another lawyer, and then it says notice to the person and the occupants and all the other fictional things they want to call us and probate code this and blah 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 that but yeah so so i'm I'm not 100 percent sure did they serve you with 
Um, like, did they serve you with a lawsuit, or they just served you with a notice? No, it's a lawsuit. It's, well, it's, they're asking for money in this thing. I read it. Uh, $83 a day. Well, remember remember that ING is future, right? So I can tell you that I'm suing you. That doesn't mean there's already a lawsuit. That means I'm telling you that I, I am going to one day sue you. No, this one says you are being sued. Yeah. Okay, well, I, how about I'm telling you right now that I am suing you. So sometime within the next 5,000 years, I might actually serve a lawsuit on you. It's like Will. They're basically saying you will be sued. Right. So, uh, yeah, he gave me the uh, five-day notice to vacate premises, and then I wrote him a letter back. I'll pull it up. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Either way, if there's no if there's no court date yet, then there's no real time limit. If you're communicating in the private and they bring you to court before you're done, you're done trying to settle. Then they're the ones bringing the controversy into the public. Right. So here's here's what I wrote him back. I received your offer taped to my door at the above location. Oh, at the top it says notice of conditional acceptance. Greeting, Perry. I received your offer taped to my door. I, really, I have never met you or corresponded with you to my knowledge. With that said, to introduce yourself in this manner is not very honorable at the least. I have been nominated by the family as the executor of the family matter pertaining to the McLean Family Trust and the trustee in place of Bonnie Black. I have questions that require you answer. Who is the man or woman that requires you to send your offer, which was five-day notice? I said, do you know you, you are dealing direct with direct beneficiaries of the trust? Do you know your offer will cause my property and I harm and injury? What leads you to believe I unlawfully took possession of that which belongs to I? And then I wrote, I have been corresponding with Lisa Alexander, Cara Health, Frank Holding, Susan King, since 11-25-14, and now Harry Floyd, attorney for trustees. Every other week, it's a new person I correspond with. Please excuse the confusion if you are unaware I have the consent of my grandfather, Curtis McLean, and other beneficiaries to be here, which is necessary and proper. I will write Frank Holding again. Please do not send any more offers before we have a chance to finish our correspondence. This can all be settled in the private. And at the bottom, I wrote, please answer my questions in the time frame which your fiduciary duties require. And then I signed it, Bill Thompson, executor. So I'm basically, you know, telling him, hey, I have my grandfather's, you know, consent to be here. I have the other beneficiaries' consent to be here, and it's necessary. So quit sending your offers. Well, as soon as I sent it, he sent me the summons, uh, literally the next day, to, you know, 
forcible eviction or some shit. But it's got a case number on there. But it doesn't say show up at a certain time and a certain date. It just says you have five days to respond to this. So that's all I'm going to do is just respond. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not sure, but I'm I'm thinking maybe if they were actually suing you, they would be serving you a document with a court date, but I'm not really sure. Maybe they filed one, but I don't know if they actually properly served it or not. I don't know if I don't know if what they gave you is actually considered a lawsuit or a notice that there's a lawsuit coming. Yeah, it's more of a notice that there's a lawsuit coming if I don't get out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, either way the uh the important thing is just keep responding. Every time they send you something, send them something back. Because right. uh he who leaves the battlefield first loses. So just don't drop the ball. Right. Yeah, see, his, I have this claim form that he's got on here, too. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's good to read his stuff. It's funny, he puts all my stuff in there. Even in here he says... Uh, Bill, Bill Thompson claims this is his property. <laughs> wow, he said it for me. Thank you. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of cool. He used the word claim, too. Not only do I believe it, but <laughs> Exhibit B, uh, the guy suing me believes it. So, okay. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just write him a letter back. I don't. <clears throat> Good evening, everyone. Hey, is that the Yes, sir. How's it going? Good, good. Other than the bad news for John, but other than that, and then I had an accident today. Some lady caught out in front of me. I wiped out three mailboxes, and them is the right side of my van. But you know, if I had hit her head on, it would have been much, much worse. Other than that, everything's all right. Storm is supposed to be coming or coming already. I don't know. But I'm in the house. It's warm. That's good. Yeah, I uh, looked outside today for the first time. I don't know how many days, and there's a lot of snow out here now. Yeah, there's a northeaster coming up through here. They're saying it's supposed to be one and a half to three feet of snow, so who knows. But there's nothing we can do about that other than stay in the shelter. Yeah, I like snow. I just don't like freezing cold wind. Yeah, me neither. I'd rather snow than than really cold rain. I like uh, I like two snowstorms per season: the first one and the last one. All the other ones in between can go away. <laughs> I like snow uh, better than slush. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, like uh, slush in the summertime. <laughs> but uh, I was just listening to Billy there for a little bit, and uh, what he was just saying in the end there, I don't think he can really claim that it's that it's his property, but he's a beneficiary to it. And, um, you know, as far as we know, it belongs to the trust or the estate, which is for the benefit of the family. But you can't directly say 
that it's yours. So you have to. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that because technically he can claim it as his property, and another man or woman with a higher claim has to come forth and rebut it. But yeah, yeah I, I wasn't quite exactly sure how that works out. Yeah, that's, that's my understanding as well. If somebody else in my family would stand up. What's that noise? I have no idea. What's that noise? Yeah, anyone who's anyone who's not talking either hit mute or star six or something so we don't have so much noise. That way no, I don't good. have to mute anybody. Or everybody. I haven't muted everybody in a long time. <laughs> well, you used all your chances in the beginning. You're muting oh, everybody. No. Oh, no, I have unlimited chance to mute all. It's my jurisdiction. End the call. Start the call again. End it again. So, anyway, uh, Gus hasn't been on? No, uh, Gus is... Well, Gus is always busy, but he's uh, extra busy for the next couple of days. So as yeah, far as yeah. I know, he didn't tell me that he's not having his show. So I'm guessing he will have his call on Wednesday. But from now till uh, up until up until including Wednesday, he's uh, he's super busy. So Yeah, the, court is, the courts are closed tomorrow around here from what I hear. So um, maybe he's got an extra day on that issue that he's helping someone with. Uh, but uh, I don't know if you've told uh, everybody the news about John. Uh, no, we haven't talked about John at all yet. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know a whole lot except just a little bit of chatter on Skype. But yeah, yeah, definitely not a happy day. No, it's. I mean, I was almost there when, when Gus. Thank God he let me know because I would have gone all the way there for nothing. You know, it's like an hour and a half uh, ride, and I was um, a little bit more than an hour into it, another half hour to go. So when he told me that, I ended up just turning around and going to take care of some other stuff that I had to take care of, and that's when I had the accident. But uh, juries are, uh, and I've been telling this for a long time, you have to be very careful about requesting a jury because nowadays most people are so indoctrinated, so messed up that, uh, you know, they'll just find however the, they read the law to be. And, and then the court and the judge control everything so specific that it's kind of hard to... Uh, to have anybody that's even semi-awake to be able to, uh, to look for truth and, uh, and fairness and all that stuff and justice. I agree. I've, I've, I went on the record a long time ago saying that I'm a little bit of a, I'm a little bit afraid of juries. Um, not only I'm, because I'm the whole, not only the whole bit that they're, registered voters and the average man or woman is still asleep acting like a person and all that. But I think more so important than that is that nobody cares what the jury thinks. 
the judge is going to tell them what to do. Yeah, and uh, and that's exactly. Um, I told John to get a copy of the jury instructions because there was some pretty good stuff in there, and it was it was a lot of pages, and uh, we can gleam it and learn from it. But I'm not just a little bit scared of a jury. I'm very scared of a jury because uh, it's one you have no recourse. You can't hold them accountable. You know, uh, if they you know just want to go home because there's a storm coming, and uh, yeah, I'll just go along with everybody else and the two or three people that maybe were on on his side, if there was any. I thought there was at least three there that. Uh, that uh, you know, <clears throat> thought the the attorneys for the government were just full of crap. You know, they would uh, snicker and smile and stuff like that. But uh, uh, in the end, uh, if there's nine against three or whatever, and uh, people are saying, "Look, we've been here for two weeks now. There's a storm coming," you know. Let's just get this over with. You know, he was playing. He was doing shenanigans. Then he, you know, he didn't even testify. The little that he testified was removed. They kept, you know, getting him out of the courtroom. Uh, And, you know, there was no explanation why that thing, his testimony was stricken. And, uh, you know, people are left in the dark, you know. And uh, so it's, uh, to me, I mean, if the judge makes a decision, you can always have recourse and try to hold them accountable. If the jury makes a decision, there's really not too much you can do about that. Yeah. You know, you can appeal like uh, that's what he was planning on doing to appeal, but uh, it's just. It's yeah, just but, bad news anyway. But if if they struck his defense, what is going to be on the record for his appeal? Well, that's what I was, I mean, I was telling him about that, but he kept saying he had affidavits. He had affidavits. He entered them into the case file. And I told him that's not good enough. I mean, you have to enter them as exhibits, as, as you know, evidence. Yeah, you have to speak it onto the record and then tell them to put it in the evidence folder. Even, even the night uh, of... Thursday, actually Friday morning, I sent him a text in the morning. But you know, it's kind of tough because you you have all different ways to go. But I, yeah. I was thinking about it in the morning when I woke up. I could barely sleep, and then when I woke up, I was thinking about it and I sent him a text. And I said, okay, there's a way that you may be able to enter your affidavits in, just uh, in the morning when the judge. Huh? When uh, the one day where he signed a notice and gave it to the security guard and the and the judge read it onto the record. Did that notice go into the uh, evidence file? No. It's just a note. I I don't think any of that stuff became evidence. Marked as exhibits or any of that stuff. Now, I was doing a little research on evidence where they can go and they can get 15 million frickin' pages of evidence. Right? And they'll have it in the evidence folder. But when trial comes, they get to pick and choose what evidence they want to bring. Exactly. The only evidence is the one that gets marked as an exhibit. That's that's, that's correct. That's correct. But 
the defense has the right to every single document in that folder. And they could bring any piece of that evidence forward if it's relevant. So right. if you have a piece of paper that you sent to the other side and you gave it to them and it's stamped, then technically in your appeal, you could bring that piece of paper as evidence for the trial that could be brought forward and it's not new evidence, it's evidence they failed to disclose because they didn't think it was relevant. It's still evidence though. It, it, it'll look well, really bad on them if they have a piece of paper like that in their folder. That's why they don't like stamping stuff and they don't want to take anything. Well, I mean, I, I've been through a few a few trials. Uh, I even went through one of my own a while back. And, uh, and uh, what I've learned is Actually, I just went through went through one uh, back in August, right? Uh, and what I learned is, if you don't have your own evidence marked and entered in as evidence and discussed, and if there's a jury, the jury uh, will have access to that. The jury made the decision without looking at any of his evidence they only looked at the prosecutor's evidence that goes in the in the jury room with them and they can look through it and there's nothing on john's side there's nothing for them to look at from john that's correct and i don't, that, I don't that, know if john if john filed a claim against the united states of america <clears throat> yeah i think he filed two claims i don't know against who but the point is i think one claim was against the lead prosecutor and the other claim i believe was against the court clerk but i could be wrong okay actually i'm not sure about so, the court clerk one so even if those were entered right if they were filed and all that uh the the jury doesn't see it well that just just shows you how their their game is played let's just say that i was a judge I get to choose when I feel like kicking the defendant out of the courtroom and then resume court. And then I have, I get to choose when I kick the jury out of the courtroom. So I can kick the defendant out. I can talk shit about the defendant, bring the defendant back in, proceed for a bit and then kick the jury out. I can sit there and I can bark orders at the jury. I can call a sidebar. I can strike evidence. I can do all kinds of shit. Yep. Because I'm the big shot on the bench and I get to do whatever I choose. It doesn't matter if it's fair or just. Just shows you what kind of railroad trip you're on. Yeah, it's 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 kangaroo. But the the point is, if you're gonna play at all, <clears throat> you know, you 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 need to do it in a way that at least you get some traction. You get some advantage. You know, you, you get some type of thing. So I, I, I texted them uh, Friday morning, and I said, hey, one way that you can find, you find to enter your evidence is when the judge talks to you this morning, uh, if you're going to, you know, play by the rules and testify, answer questions or whatever, or not, because he had already told them that, you know, if, if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't, they may move, uh, remove his uh his testimony, strike it. 
So I told them one way that you can do it is say, yeah, um, yeah, I'll, I'll answer the questions uh, as best as I can, right? And then every time they ask you a question, you say, uh, I'm glad you, glad you uh, asked that. I answered that in my affidavit number three. Yeah, let me, let me read it into the record. And then you get to read the affidavit. And then you request, you require it to be uh, numbered and entered as an exhibit. Then they go to the next question. You say, hey, as a matter of fact, I have an unrebutted uh, affidavit right here, uh, number seven. You know, eventually they stop asking him questions, but at least he would get to enter some affidavits in there. And then another thing that I said is uh, ask, uh, uh, I'm presumed innocent. Am I allowed to enter my evidence? Yes. You know, am I allowed to enter evidence that proves my innocence? Yes. And then you enter, you know, all your affidavits or whatever you want to enter. And if they deny, then then it's a problem. What do you think would have happened if John had uh, had his claim filed and everything and then got a, uh, a court reporter of his own? and brought it in and just said, I'm convening my court of record. I have my court reporter present, blah, blah, blah. And have your own court reporter reporting all this or court recorder, sorry. So when the judge says whatever he wants to say, now you have it officially on the record, your own record just as an extra step to holding them accountable. And then you can keep saying over and over again, this is a court of record. This is a court of record. I'm not saying that's going to stop them from railroading you, but at least there's some solid evidence that you got railroaded. I think there's plenty of evidence that he got railroaded. Yeah, but how much of it is going to end up in the appeal? Yeah, that's... I I I don't think the appeal is gonna is gonna do anything with this. I think yeah, I, I don't know. I could see maybe an appeal based on failure to provide due process or whatever all that's called. Yeah, due process. Yeah. But yeah, as far as evidence goes, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot in there as evidence, especially if they flat out... I don't even know how they can do that, strike the defendant's evidence. Or his testimony or whatever they want to call it. It doesn't make sense. It's like unringing the bell, you know? It's insane, but they they got away with it. Well, it's like challenging somebody to a tennis match and then taking their tennis racket away, bolting their feet to the ground. Like, How does that even make sense? Striking his evi- striking his defense. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's tough. But the point is, uh, I I saw, you know, a lot of times that uh, it seemed like John was traversing back and forth. And uh, I even told them, you know, fire the lawyer. Fire the lawyer today, right? Uh, if you fire the, if you fire that attorney, you know, 
it's going to mess them up from going ahead, right? And uh, and Don was saying, well, I can't fire him. I never hired him. And then I tell him, well, you could do it this way. Uh, I've never hired you. I've never agreed to have you as my attorney or assistant counsel or any of that. But it seems like there's some confusion. So if by mistake, you know, you got the impression that you were working for me or I hired you or whatever, now I want to make it very clear. Either remove yourself or you're fired right now. Well, see, that doesn't even make sense. I can't fire him because I didn't hire him. What if I owned a painting business and 15 people showed up one day and said, oh, we're here to work? What, I can't fire them because I never hired them? They were never hired, so they don't work here anyways. This is a ridiculous argument. And besides, I believe John had a notice in anyone who acts on my behalf bears liability. So if the judge wants to appoint a, a public defender, great. It's all going to come crashing down on the judge's head. Here's one thing that happened, um, and the, the judge mentioned it on Friday morning when he was talking to John about, you know, you're going to answer questions, you know, you're going to participate, whatever. And, um, and he's, you know, he said whatever he was saying, that uh, I'll be glad to participate as soon as I see uh, 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 a sworn statement uh, of the accuser or whatever. I forget exactly what the correct term he was using. And uh, eventually uh, the judge said, you know, give him a few opportunities and, you know, he, he didn't come in line. So he says, okay, I deem that uh, you are the defendant. You've been saying you're not the defendant. You've been saying that you're a man, but you've been answering to Mr. Fall, uh, even when your uh, attorney was asking you questions, he was referring to you as Mr. Fall, and you were answering him. And, uh, you know, when I heard that, I was like, and I had, you know, I had heard it while it was going on, on, on Thursday. And I'm saying, you know, he, you know, he said it a couple of times, but a couple of times is not enough. You know what I mean? Uh, and we've talked about that many times, you know, uh, whenever they say you, you have to, each time, have to clarify it. And they say Mr. So-and-so or whatever, when they're talking to the person, the defendant, all that stuff, every single time has to be overcome or, or uh, you know, uh, rejected. Because all it takes well, is one time. I don't... Uh... I don't normally go against what Carl. Oh, no. I got to hang up. Hello? Yeah, don't hang up yet. I got to talk to you about a trader. Did you get my text? Huh? I said, don't hang up yet. I would like to discuss a trader, an offer. I don't know if you got my text. This Who's is this? Jeff here in Saskatchewan. This is Jeff here in Saskatchewan. I attempted to send you a photograph with a text message, which was an offer, which I am serious about. Uh, I'm, uncle I'm unclear. No, I'm talking to Carl. Carl's not here. Oh, who is this then? 
This is, this, uh, is, this is Mike's show. This is the Portuguese cop. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. I'm sorry. Mike, I'll be back in a second. Mike. He probably hit his two-hour mark, so. I'm, I'm sorry. Who, who am I speaking with? I just who, got who am I speaking with? Vittles. Yeah, this this is Mike. I I just got uh I just got dropped, but this is Mike. I just got back in. I think Kyle just came with you because you were going to say Mike was going to bed about him. You're you're on the show with Mike and Vittles. That's oh, I'm sorry. I was going to hang up as soon as you started saying. Uh, I don't usually go against what Kyle says, but I was like, um, oh, no, yeah, I gotta I, hang up. I can't, uh, obviously I have no idea what Carl was thinking, but I almost fell over when Carl told John to keep his public defender and reduce him to co-counsel. Uh, me and you have talked about this before, but John, I believe filed a notice saying, uh, I'm not the defendant. I'm not this and that. And, uh, I think he's, I'm not sure, but I think he put in a notice that he requires uh, counsel specializing in common law or whatever, whatever. Yeah. But he definitely filed a notice that he was an idiot in regard to the legal society. And then Carl advises him to get an interpreter. So now he's not an idiot, and now he does understand legalese. I still have no idea why Carl told him to do that. I was actually there uh, when Carl was there before, back in November, I think it was. And uh, that was talked about. Uh, the I think the idea was to, to fight it in both front, fronts, but you can't be uh, traversing, you know. Yeah, when yeah. yeah John, he... Um... I don't know. I, I get it that he's got a serious situation. He was in panic mode and everything, but he, in my opinion, was doing everything correctly. And every time he thought of something he missed, he went back and covered it. And I think yeah. he did a great job. And then all of a sudden he takes a lawyer and then all of a sudden he starts participating in jury selection. Then all of a sudden he starts answering questions, asking questions and, yeah. He totally negated everything he did. That was my, uh, I, I wasn't there when the jury selection happened, but that was my feeling of what I knew and when I was there, that he was participating, but he kept saying he's not the defendant. You know, uh, like they bring him up, okay, you're up next. You're going to be up on, uh, on the witness stand, right? So he goes up there and he does his little speech was pretty good. And then, uh, you know, he starts, uh, the jury had never seen him before. I don't think that was the first time the jury saw, saw him on Thursday. So, uh, I, I, I just, I thought it might've been pretty confusing for the jury and, and without them knowing anything about common law and the way that he was answering what the jury thought was his attorney's questions. And it, it, it just sounded kind of strange, you know, to them, I, I would think. 
Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like if I say I'm not a hockey player, I don't play hockey, I don't know the rules of hockey, and I'm not playing hockey. And all of a sudden, you show up on game day, you put your equipment on, you got your helmet, your skates, your hockey stick, you go out and start stick handling, taking slap shots at the net. The whole time you're saying, I don't play hockey. I don't understand hockey. I don't like hockey. I'm not I'm not going to play hockey. Yeah. Yay, I scored a goal, but I'm not playing hockey. Yeah, and, just, and believe me, it's very tough. I've been there myself. It's very tough to uh, to overcome all the trickery and shenanigans and because their system is so well designed that it's you know you, you get you fall you fall for it but uh you know it, it's it, it, uh, the way i saw it uh, i was like man this can end good and then the the thing that i was talking about you know the judge mentions it you know, you answered to Mr. Fall, you were answering the attorney's questions, you know, you're participating, whatever. Forget exactly what the wording that he used. So I deemed that you are the defendant or whatever. And uh, and that was it. So the, the, I guess the defendant can have his testimony uh, stricken if they believe that he's not, um, he's being evasive, he's not... Uh, you know, uh, answering the questions, you know, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, and that may have worked against him as well because, uh, you know, one, the jury's got nothing to go on now, even though, you know, they did listen to that stuff, but they were told to put it aside. Uh, and it's... Uh, you know, now they look at it and they go, wow, why why they kept that man, you know, in another room all the time? Is he disruptive? Is he, you know, what's going on? And then when uh, uh, they don't get to hear him or any of that stuff, and then it gets, uh, they hear him a little bit, and then the judge strikes it, right? Uh, they're thinking, you know, there must have been some bad stuff there. You know, maybe they, maybe they, it was stricken because it, it was, uh, it was not true. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's bizarre, let me tell you. Hey, I got yeah. a question. Was John involved? with the decision of whether to have a uh, jury present or not? Or was that made arbitrarily? Who's that that talking? Uh, This is Jeff. I thought you were Carl. I'm sorry. You sound similar to Carl. You sound like Carl with a cold. (laughs) Or at least on my my telephone, you sound like Carl with a cold. Sorry to hear about your accent. Yeah, that's why I said the Portuguese. No, John. That was my job. Yeah, Jeff. John did did participate, and that's what Mike was just talking about a little bit ago. You know, he participated in in picking the jury and and all that stuff. And you know, um, as far as I know, I was there. But 
yeah, but okay, I, I heard that. I heard that. Uh, my question was, did John have a say whether the trial was going to be solely with a judge? Did John agree to have a jury present at all? Or or was was he was John given an opportunity to agree or not? And was John was John's voice or John's word whether he wanted a jury or not was that acknowledged or listened to? Because uh, as I recall from listening to Carl and Common Sense and Logic, as well as I agree with what you say, Mike. Uh, no, I wouldn't trust a jury for shit. Actually, um, I don't. I think John probably would would agree uh that's that's got got me a little bit confused as to if john had an opportunity to say no trial by judge only if he did that and they went ahead with the jury anyway is that something that he would have a leg to stand on or or did he even do that i'm not aware of the details of his case well, I wasn't there for that part. I wasn't able to go. Uh, I had to finish paperwork to file in in the, in the case, so I, I wasn't able to get on there uh, through when that was going on. But his alleged uh, uh, attorney was participating. I don't know if if John was or not. I, as far as I I think maybe he didn't. But if they're looking at him as he's a defendant and this is his this is his attorney and the attorney is participating, then it's the same as if he's participating. And uh, you know, yeah. uh, they they use sleight of hand and trickery all the time and, and that's why, you know, uh, firing the attorney would be a, a, a fail safe uh, I mean uh not a fail safe but uh, in all case, strategy. I mean, it can't hurt you. Uh, you know, most likely, you know, they, they're going to go ahead and they're going to find you guilty like they did. So if you fire the attorney and they can't proceed because you don't have an attorney, now it's a situation where, you know, what happens? You know, uh, I didn't think he had anything to lose by doing it. And what he was worried about was, if I do it, if I fire him, then I'm kind of admitting that he was my attorney. And I kind of found the wording around that to to uh, to do it in a way that you would say, well, if there was any confusion, whether you were or not, now, if you were or weren't, now I'm saying, if you were, you're fired. You know? Um, yeah. Or you could even say, as far as I'm concerned, you were never my attorney, but seems to be some confusion that you may have been. So if you were, it was by mistake, wasn't by my consent, and now I'm I'm ending all that. And you don't that have might my be consent to be fired. Huh? That might be tough to that might be tough to get past the jury and perhaps the judge. From what I uh, have heard here the tonight. Jury, the jury wouldn't know anything about it. The jury wouldn't oh, know I anything see. about it. But would, how, how would that sound if the judge forced you to go ahead with an attorney that you've never talked to in private about, you never strategized about the case, 
you know, he never uh, uh, had anybody deposed or subpoenaed anybody or, you know, uh, requested discovery or, or whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. It's I can only go by what's happened in, you know, situations that I'm a little aware of. And uh, in um, a case that I'm helping somebody with, you know, not that I know a lot, but we've been doing that and uh, the trial has been put off uh, one, two, three, four times. So uh, there is something to it, you know. Uh, Accepting their attorney automatically grants them jurisdiction, no matter what you say. You can say, I'm a man, I'm this, I'm that. But at least on the statutory side, you're you're granting them jurisdiction because you're allowing somebody to speak for you, which means that you you're not speaking for yourself. And yeah, I understand the Yeah, the dots are pretty easy to connect there for sure. I, I uh was under the impression that John was also attempting to move his own claim or his own case at that court, but I heard, if I heard correctly, uh, I believe it was you, Mike, who mentioned that John had not yet had a claim filed. Is that correct? Well, John had a claim filed against the lead prosecutor, and he kept putting in stuff like his uh, rules of court and notices and uh, exhibits and everything else. And then... Out of nowhere, one day, they just sent him all his stuff back. They didn't have, they they didn't dismiss it. They didn't convert it to a complaint. They didn't do any of that. They just put everything in an envelope and mailed it back to him. Said, here's your stuff back. The court did? Uh, I don't know. The court clerk, I believe. No kidding. But it's just, um, that happened to him. And then I think like a week later, it happened to Neil in Maine. So that was pretty new for me. But usually what they do you know, is they I... give you a hard time filing it. And then they either, com- usually they'll convert it to a claim. And then eventually they'll dismiss it. And they didn't, it's just weird they didn't do any of that. Him and John and Neil, they both just sent their stuff back. Which I don't get. Like, how can did they just John, make a public record out of the public? Did John do anything about it after? I don't think so. I'm not sure. That well, stinks that like point, duck. To me, his claim that, is still alive. That was what my uh, where I was going with that. If he had, then is still uh, his claim is still alive. Yes. However, if I can point out the obvious, I think, that is that perhaps a maybe a strategy, is that the correct word? If there is a group of men and women who are perhaps uh, allowing or permitting or receiving these notices and these filings, giving the claim, the man John in this case, or Neil, uh, perhaps a false sense of 
security or knowledge that, oh, I got a claim file, just wait. And then suddenly, oh, it's all sent back. Is there something, perhaps, I don't know, Neil, or what his circumstance was, but is there is there perhaps a circumstance where if John is already been determined as the or a defendant in a what I presume is a federal case, is there a chance that somebody somewhere put a piece of pen to paper and made a rule or a law in that jurisdiction that once a man is joined to a federal case, perhaps income tax or what have you, that at that point their right to file a claim has been removed? Is that nope. a possibility? No, nope. nope. it's impossible. Okay. The, uh, the federal case, <laughs> for one, is an inferior jurisdiction, and for two, it's completely irrelevant. No I fi- agree. No fiction has the right or authority to dismiss a man's claim. I agree. Unless, unless it's not filed in, in, in the right place. Yeah, but at that point, they have a duty and an obligation to explain why. Like if I if I write a check and I forget to sign it, and I mail it to you, then you're going to have to send me a letter back saying, hey, dummy, you forgot to sign the check. You have to identify a defect or a deficiency. Or, so, or it's or it's uh, your duty to contact them and say, "Hey, why did this get returned? And how do I how do I fix it? How do I, you know, put it in the right place? Or, you know, what what needs to be done to fix it? I don't know. Now that I think about it, you know, like, yeah, uh, he was counting on appealing uh, if. If we're trying to stay out of their jurisdiction, isn't the appeal being done in their jurisdiction? So isn't that part playing it in the statutory anyway? Yeah, if you're filing appeal, it's completely statutory. Right. So that now that I think about it, sounds misguided as well. Well... I haven't put a whole lot of thought into this yet, but what if John shoved all his property being his claim back into an envelope and mailing it back in? Say, I don't know, somehow this uh, this very important property of mine got misplaced, but I'm just sending it back to you where it belongs, file this correctly, and we're good to go, and then just hold his court before sentencing. Is there? There was my next question that I was just going to ask you. Uh, I haven't talked to Gus. We just text back and forth a little bit. Um, was so he wasn't sentenced. He was just taken into custody, awaiting sentence. They did take him into custody. Oh, he's in custody. Yeah, mm. he's in custody. As um, soon as he was found guilty, they you know they they take you in. Uh, sometimes you can file like a, a notice of appeal right at that moment or, you know, around that time. And then you can request uh, uh, or ask the court 
if you if you can continue on bail pending the the appeal. Most of the time they don't allow it, but sometimes they do. I think that is but actually because, a good idea because if John does file an appeal, then right away there's nobody that well. First, if he files an appeal, I would say there's a very good chance they're going to let him out pending the appeal. But on top of that, now they're required to supply him with a copy of the case file, the written order. Um, what else? I think there's four things that they're required to give you if you're filing an appeal. So they'll have to give them the, the evidence. They'll have to give them the tra- oh the transcripts. Transcript, yeah. They'll have to give them the written order. And for some reason, I'm drawing a blank, but I I think there's one more thing that they'll have to give you. And then, in John's case, it'll be different. But and at that point, you can just withdraw your appeal. But in John's case, if he with- withdraws his appeal, they'll probably throw him back in jail. But there's nothing stopping him from filing a claim. Oh, maybe. Uh, I don't know, actually. I don't know if they can stop him from filing a claim while he's got an appeal pending. Well, the claim has not to do with, with appeal or, or, or the case. Yeah, it's not even close to the same jurisdiction. So. Right. So maybe that's what John should do, file an appeal, get all his ducks in a row, and then just hold court on them. What about uh, if the sentencing hasn't happened yet, which it probably hasn't happened. I, I, I you know, I didn't get an answer back on uh, from guys on that. Um, what about this thing that Carl was talking about, um, requiring the the plaintiff to appear at sentencing? That's a good point. Isn't that where the claim of cognizance comes in, cognizance? Um, Isn't the claim of cognizance moving it out of that jurisdiction into yours because you have a higher, um, you have a claim filed in a higher court? Well, John already filed a claim of cognizance into their court, and then he filed his own claim. I'm a little bit unclear on this whole rule, but as far as I know, the way the claim of cognizance works is you'll file a claim of cognizance into their case requiring them to move their their quote their case into a common law court and then you file your own claim to bring their case so now you have a case to bring their claim into or their complaint whatever so what i think so I think what John Sorry. did was file a claim of cognizance into their case and then opened up his own case in a higher jurisdiction to bring all their nonsense into. What about this battery business? Can that apply in this situation? Well, I, th- I think that's... I, I, don't, I don't think... I, th- I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure his claim was for bearing false witness. No, but I'm saying now, once they've prosecuted them and taken them into uh, into custody and all that, um, 
and and uh, then give them a, a, a opportunity to to enter any evidence or you know say anything that he needed to say or present him with a, with a sworn uh, statement or accusatory statement or whatever uh, wouldn't that constitute baritry? I would think that's a good possibility. So See, that's there's other, other things too, because John, he, he, John's amazing. He went through and he did everything that I can think of. He did everything correctly to my knowledge, but he also had notices. Anybody who acts on my behalf bears liability. He put notices in regarding false or um, involuntary servitude. Yes. With a fee, I don't know if he. I I think he actually filed a fee schedule and everything. But see, I don't know. By this point, he might have negated everything he did. Well, but those notices are still there, and it's mm-hmm. a matter of, of moving them, and and moving them into a claim, and and moving the claim, and getting getting the judge to answer for it, getting. Uh, the public defendant to answer for it, you know, uh, whoever whoever he filed it against. Because mm-hmm. what they're counting on is, hey, this is how we do it. You know, we've done this many, many times in the years that we've been doing this. Nobody's ever heard us. So, you know, what's the, what's the chances that, you know, this man is going to be able to do anything? And they're probably just taking their chances. So now, you know, it's, it's time to uh, to make those notices and, and, you know, not just be barking, but actually, you know, get ready to take a bite. You know, make it happen somehow. Well, it's kind of good and bad in a way, I guess, but they did so many things to him that he's got, so many options now but to me that's got to be something there's got to be some kind of due process violation when you're kicking the guy out of court so he can't speak you're striking the guy's defense you're appointing all these i don't know lawyers and everything like i could just imagine how much money they actually owe him by now for everything they did against his notices yeah. Like everybody who acted on his behalf, everybody that acted on his behalf is liable. Everybody that placed an order upon him is liable. Everybody I mean, who they, interfered with his right to to a fair trial is liable. Like there's liability all over the place now. They, um, you know, they they removed them physically out of the court a few times as yeah. well as, you know, against, against his will. But see, uh, they didn't and... even, they didn't even give him a, they didn't even give him a microphone or anything like, uh, like they do for bail and stuff where they have the prisoners are in jail having their yeah. video, video hearings or whatever. But yeah, because he had an idiot speaking for him and if there's yeah. an objection, it will come from the idiot, not from him. Yeah, but and that's, just, and that's the just by appointing, that's... just by appointing that lawyer for him and throwing him in the other room, they completely took away his ability to object to anything. 
Now that he didn't get a chance to object to anything, none of those objections he would have had are on the record. So nothing's appealable that way. Like he told unless, me. <clears throat> unless the attorney objected. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I don't know if you guys were finished, uh, you and Billy. Uh, I, I came in the call a little bit before that, so I didn't want to take up from that time. We, get, I talk, we talk a little bit about it while it's fresh on, on our minds. but Yeah, I think, uh, I think Billy's good for now unless he thought of a couple more questions. Billy? Must be muted. We can't hear you if you're there. Yeah, nobody's muted on my end, so. Did he, uh, um, I haven't been on the call, so did he have the family meeting and uh, take care of that executive business? Uh, yeah, we did that. We, we, we did that. It kind of blew over like a fart in church. Uh, we had about half the people show up, and like I said, the other half could care less. Okay, so the the half that showed up are the important ones. What ended up happening with them? Oh yeah, they're all in agreement. They're all in agreement. And uh, okay. Mike and I discussed this earlier about writing, having them write letters now as well as myself, and just bombard them with. <laughs> but have you been appointed, or someone been appointed executor? Yeah, they all agreed. I'm executor of the family matter. Not the executor of the estate or anything, but just of the family matter, meaning someone keeping track of the trustees and making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to. That's I don't think that's good enough. Well, for right now, it puts them on the hook to talk to me, as, which is what we had, you know, talked about. Was trying, you know, well, I think even you said it was that they're taking me as a joke because I'm just the grandson. But if I have a letter that says executor and letting them know that I've been appointed executor from the family, uh, then they would take me more seriously. Not, not executor is the estate, just the executor of like a, spokesper- a spokesperson for the family? Right. At this point, yeah. I'm trying to just, they won't. It's bad right now. They're basically just attacking, like they've always done. They're just pit bulls. So I'm pretty comfortable with what's going on right now. I mean, uh, I kind of expected it, you know. That's why I've been doing all this studying and research. But the truth is, uh, you know, if we can't come to an agreement before this goes into court, then I'm just going to ask for a trial and I'm going to show all my evidence on how these people have just diminished this estate, show how the beneficiaries, you know, do not want these people, show how we've tried to fire them on multiple occasions, and that they took advantage of the legalese. And uh, I even have paperwork where my family was, you know, a grandmother saying I was so uncomfortable because they had video cameras and three lawyers and I don't know why it made me go into that room and tell those people those things. You know, this is documents that I have that my grandmother was saying. I want to show the jurors that. But this was all done under fraud and duress. So, 
I think you're barking up the wrong tree, but okay. Well, I, I don't have you, a choice. When stuff, when stuff gets in probate, when stuff gets in probate court, right, it's a nightmare. Believe me, I have a lady here that I've been You're going to tell to. me about it? <laughs> I know. And, and, and what you have to do, it, it's not court battles. It's none of that stuff. You need to find the kryptonite that will make them stop and listen. And right. if, it's not, if it's not the executor of the estate... Uh, or the general executor, I don't know what is. Okay, let me let me say this one more time because I, I did get to speak to Carl, okay, and I explained to him my concerns. My number one concern was, do I have standing as a grandson for this property? And he told me, if you were in a fucking wheelchair, you would still have standing. Okay, so... The next thing I want to point out is these documents are giving conservatorship over the person of my grandfather. I just noticed that as I was reading tonight. So I'm going to go in there and take this, you know, take this claim for property, just like Carl, Carl told me. Is there any reason why you can't go down to your local mom-and-pop courthouse and take a claim for this property, and as soon as that attorney says, well, that's your grandfather's property, you tell her, who the fuck is speaking in my courtroom? So not only do I believe it, but Carl believes that I have the capability to go in. Look, if nobody in the family is going to do it, he's saying I got the standing to do it, period. I told him about my uncle and my aunt, and they're like, who gives a fuck? Just get in there and do your thing, basically what he said. So I've kind of just been writing the letters this whole time, and then you had mentioned, you know, well, maybe they're not taking you serious. Maybe you should have a meeting with the family and, you know, have them make you executor. So my last two letters that went out had my name with executor. Yeah, but you haven't been appointed executor. Yes, I have. You told me they voted you in as uh, executor, which is like kind of like a spokesman for the family. Well, that's what I put it as, executor of the family matters. Because, look, yeah, you're going to every nothing. beneficiary to sign as me as executor. I don't, I don't think, that, I don't think that, has, that has power. But see, here's, here's another point. I nominate myself to be king of the earth. Who the fuck's going to listen to me? Or king if of my everybody, family. If everybody on the planet nominated me king of the earth, well, that's a different story. Well, or, or not, it doesn't have to be everybody, but the ones that have standing to do it. Well, you guys are talking about the earth and all kinds of other shit. I'm talking about property that has been in my family for the last 40, 50 years. That's yep. all I'm talking about. But okay. nobody nominated you for shit on paper except you claim people nominated yeah, and you. And the other thing is, and to correct you on uh, on the property, the property hasn't been in your, in, really in your family. The property was in your father's name, and then now it's in some type of entity, a trust or, or a state or whatever. So what is not property? In the, uh, what, is prop- what is property? 
Okay, if you want to do it that way, it's not property. Everything is property. No, it isn't. My hopes, my dreams, my land. Property, hold on. Property is that which is exclusive to me and me alone. How is your grandfather's property all of a sudden your property? Property can't be owned by two people. But it's not, even it's not even the grandfather's property. Property can be owned. Property can be owned by one man, and maybe have another party with a vested interest. But two people cannot own prop the same property. If you want to get technical, that's right. So if I'm me and my wife have a kid, that kid is my property. Once me and my wife split, we are no longer one. We are two. And now that child is not property anymore. What is it now? And I don't know, an asset, an item, a thing, a, a child, a whatever, but not property. Property is exclusive to one. Hmm. Isn't that the definition of a trust? Yeah, technically... I would say your grandfather's stuff is property of the trust now, or at least it's held in trust. It's whatever you want to call it, legal title, all that other crap. But technically it's not really property and it's not really in his name, which is why I'm saying fire the whole, the whole lot of them and get it back in the family's care. I looked into, uh, other trusts that could be formed because you can do that in this trust. I read the type of trust and uh, it's a revocable trust. It's so, revocable? Yeah. It says so it who, can, who, who can revoke it? How can it be revoked? Who can revoke? Uh, the beneficiaries. Okay. But that's not our wish. We don't wish to revoke the trust. We wish to administer the trust. But if you have a trustee in place that's... Um, oh, we're going to fire that's, that's sabotaging uh, or, uh, you know, uh, a runaway trustee or whatever, right? Then it makes sense to just revoke that trust and set up another one. Yeah, you can't you can administer their trust. You can fire them and just quash that whole bunch of crap and start up your own private common law trust. But you can't just take over their ship. Okay, but you have what, you guys, what you guys are talking about is getting every beneficiary involved. No, you don't have to get every beneficiary involved. If the ones that don't care, they don't participate, then they're out of it. So it's the ones that care. If if you have five inheritors and you say, hey, we need to resolve this, and one says, I don't want anything to do with that. Okay, you get him to sign some documents saying that he's out of it. And, uh, I mean, how many, how many siblings were there? Your mother, um, a sister, and then a brother, right? Yeah, there was five together. It was four girls and a boy. Okay, so there was five, and a, a couple of them are deceased. 
Yeah, three of the girls have passed. Okay, three uh, deceased. So there's one aunt and one uncle alive. Uh, on your mother's uh, part, there's you. Do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, one brother, one sister. Okay. Um, and what about the other two aunts that uh, are deceased? Uh, do they have? Did she? They have children? Yes, one of them has one child, and the other one has uh, two children. Okay. So it's it seems pretty basic. That's where it ends, right there, right? You yeah. and you and your brother have the rights of your mother, right? Yeah. And then your uncle is still there. Your other aunt is still there. Then you have one uh, 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 cousin that will handle one aunt's thing, and then another two cousins there. So it's it's only a few people. And if you can't get all of them to come on board, then then you if you have a, a majority. That's good enough. And then it's a matter of, you know, communicating with the other one and uh, and seeing if they are if they want to be involved or not. If not, then they release uh, whatever rights they have. And then as you far as I'm meeting. aware, as far as right. I'm aware, the beneficiaries always have the power to fire the trustee. Yeah. Who's the trustee working for? Since when can the employer not fire the employee? Get rid of them. Don't try and take over their ship. Just get out of their ship. We talked about that. You don't want to administer the, the statutory trust. That's not going to work. Just crush it, abolish it, end it. Well, what, one way to do it, and, and, and I talked about that before, one way to do it is get rid of the trustee, put in your own trustee, and then have specific uh, things to, that trustee is going to do, and, and and one of the things is, you know, get the trust uh, um, redone or uh, you know wh- whatever you guys want to do. But that's how you get things done in a trust is by having a friendly trustee. Right now you don't have a friendly trustee. You have a trustee that's that's rogue. It just he's doing whatever he wants. And you guys have no say or any benefit. You haven't had any benefit to, uh, you know, never mind uh, all the headache that you've had. It's like sending your employee to the bank to deposit all the company's money for the week. And they decide to take off and go blow it, partying, doing all kinds of crazy shit with the money that doesn't even belong to them. They're fired. If you work for me and I send you to the bank to deposit the company money and you blow the company money, you're gone. Not going to put up with that shit. You're fired. Yeah, and, and you don't go. And you don't go to court. This is the third. Huh? This is the third trustee we've done that. We have fired the first people. We fired the second people. These are the third. Okay, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. When you fire the first trustee, who put in the next trustee? The court. That's the problem. Yep, that's what I'm trying to say. But see, there's there's another thing, too, is you had a trustee, he didn't do his job, he got fired. You got another trustee, he didn't do his job, he got fired. Another trustee, he didn't do his job, he got fired. It's time to stop getting these statutory assholes. No, but the other, the other problem is you're, allowing the, you're, you're giving the court power to appoint the trustee that's going to work for your benefit. When you should be 
putting in the trustee that you want. This is a trustee we want. This whole probate court thing, man, is unbelievable nightmare. And fortunes are being ripped off from beneficiaries because they don't know what to do, and the probate court is just out of control. Because we're letting almost, lawyers run our lives. Yeah, almost the same thing with, with children, you know, child protective services and all that stuff. We're allowing them to put in people in place that are going to be controlling, you know, what's going on. And, they, and they're rogue. They're out of control. Yep. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just I think it's strange that everybody says lawyers are scumbags and everybody runs to a lawyer. I know. <laughs> and police. Yeah, and police, the same thing. Yeah. I, I had a, I had an accident today. I told you guys a little bit about earlier, right? And yeah. uh, I'm trying to get out of there. I'm getting the girl's information, right? It was her fault, right? I'm the one that had damage. I, I avoided hitting her, right? Knocked down three mailboxes, whatever. It was a pipe there in front of the mailboxes to protect them. That ripped uh, my uh, front fender and part of the bumper on the, on the right side. And uh, I'm just getting her stuff. I took a picture of her license, uh, took her name, phone number, whatever. And, uh, hey, let's get out of here. You know, the police station is right on the street. So we're about to leave. And they show up. And then I, I told her, get in your car, go, or else you're going to get a ticket, right? But they're there. Oh, you can't leave. No, no, we already we already exchanged information. We're all set. But the only reason why I didn't leave was because the mailboxes were, you know, all broken and everything. Other, other than that, I would have just left. So, but they were pretty quick. You know, they, they just ran my, my license, her license, and, uh, uh, okay, we're going to file a report. You know, you can get the report later or whatever. But, you know, trying to avoid getting them involved so that I'm not one of the statistics that they use to get bigger budgets and more funding and, and, and more people on the job. And that's what we all need to do. Um we're giving them more and more power, more and more stuff to do. You know, they're more and more needed, and uh, and that's part of the problem. So you need to get those people that are direct beneficiaries together. And and I told you how to do it. You have a meeting. You could have that property manager you, your grandfather used as, you know, taking the minutes of the meeting you have roll call, take uh, not, uh, the name and, and address of everybody that's there, the date. Then you have a vote, and you, you put down what who who voted, how they voted, all that stuff, and who got appointed the executor. Now, that's a document that records what happened. It's official. And there's an executor appointed, voted in by the beneficiaries. A court can't can't deal with that, can't overturn that. The people that, you know, are the beneficiaries are the ones that decided this. The only reason why the court is acting is because there is nobody in charge. Hey, now, guys. The, yeah, uh, boring snap here. I'm just looking it up online. Um, you can change the executor and then 
you can um, ask for an injunction to stop for um, accessing the funds or, or the property to stop the sale or drawing from the accounts. That's what you want. You don't want the executors to be capable of drawing from the accounts except for a set limit or something. So you have to ask for the injunction when you fire them to make, make it tough about for them. Are executor or trustee? The trustee. When you fire the trustee, you as uh, the beneficiaries can demand that the accounts can't be at, can't be drawn from unless there's a court order. So you put in the injunction when you fire them. Right. So the, the new trustee would the new trustee would handle that. The new trustee no. would come in. No, you're no, you're you're missing the point. The trustee, uh, they've had three of them, and I assume all three of them have been doing the exact same thing because they have access to the funds. They have because they're all appointed by the court, and they're there to take as much money from there as they can. That's right. And that's why you everybody to, makes out. And that's why you put the injunction in to stop them, to make it almost impossible for them to draw money from it unless there's a court that goes to court, right? You have to get a court order. And then you can also put stipulations in your own. Uh, you know, you have to have agreement among so many of the beneficiaries, and you have signage. That makes sense because the trustee is entitled to get paid for what he's doing. His, he's worthy of his hire, but it doesn't make sense to hire somebody to rape and pillage what they're, what they're there to, to protect. Because a trustee doesn't own any of it. He's just there to manage it. So he's entitled to his, his pay for his labor, but it doesn't mean he owns it all. He gets to do what he wants with it. So that makes sense to limit the trustee to what he can actually take for himself. I'm just going to throw the link up online so everyone can have a look at it. So just look at that and go to the bottom of the page. It's all statutory crap, but uh, you know, at least it's something you can do to stop them from bleeding you. Right? So here, here's a couple things, guys. Uh, we would go in and petition the court. This is what my mother used to do. And she would petition the court to be the conservator and the guardian over her father. And they would say to her, you need a bond. Okay, that stumped her right there because we never had access. To, we never had access even when my grandfather was around. You know, my grandfather's money. We didn't give a shit. Well, now that they got it and they're going through it a million miles an hour, uh, you know, mom said, hey, fuck that. We don't need them. We we've never needed anyone. Give it back to us. Hey, fuck that. We don't need them. We we've never needed them. Yeah, there was me, sorry. Um So basically what was that? Can you, the, you need a bond, you need a uh, you need good credit, you need a bond to run this size of state and all this shit. That's what they would hit us with and it would just stump us in our track, like well, we don't so you have. Go find out, so you go find out what kind of bond you need, and you get a bond. Why do I need a bond? Who, what man is going to come forth to tell me? If what they tell you, you well, if, you, if you're going to the court to get remedy, which what I'm telling you is not to do it through the court, and if, if there's an executor, uh, it kind of changes things. Uh, right now. You know, there's nobody in charge, so the court's in charge because nobody's in charge. Okay, and, we don't want the courts in charge. We want to. If you go, 
Right, but you're just saying that you want you want to go to the court to do this and do that. Well, no, it's in the court. I got to go in the court and get it out of court. Meaning, I don't want court supervision. I don't want anybody, a bank, uh, a judge. I don't want anybody to tell me what the fuck to do. So I want to get it out of probate. The only way to do this that I can see is to walk in and claim that I, a man, have a right to this property. Is there another man in the courtroom with a right more supreme than I? If not, I require immediate restoration. This is what I'm saying. It seems this simple because this is, I don't care what anybody says, okay? My family has lived on this land and these houses and this property my whole life. So if any man wants to come forward and tell me this is not my property, bring him on. Show me. Show me how this is not my property. Oh, it's your grandfather. Show me how my grandfather is not my property. I have his name. I have his DNA. But it's, you not your gra- it's not your grandfather's. Bullshit. What do you mean it's not my grandfather's? That makes absolutely an, no sense. I have a letter from his attorney stating that everything is his. And when I said to her, thank okay, you. Okay, so there's, not, so there's nothing in the trust? Property, she oh, wait a minute. So there's, hold on. So there's nothing in the trust? Everything is in the trust. Okay. That's, you just proved my point. Okay, but whose trust if is it? If it's is in it a trust, trust, it's not his. The reason a, why you put it in a trust. trust? No, it's my grandfather's trust. So whose trust is it? What are we talking about here? Yeah, it's it's his, it's Why do I need a bond or a trustee or a court order to do anything? I can mow my own damn lawn. Just like my grandfather said back in the 10 years ago when they were fighting this. I'm still alive. I can get my own damn broker to sell one of my houses if I want to. Well, ain't nothing changed but the time except we got these slimy bastards telling us what we got to do now. So I'm saying it's time to put the foot down. I get it. I got it from everybody. When I, but when I got it from Carl, he's telling me, dude, you're making this too complicated. You know? Not only do I believe it, Carl believes it. This is, this is my property. I'm not stating this like I want to have it all so I can sell it and put it in my bank account. I'm saying don't try to kick my family out of our fucking houses and quit charging me $450 an hour to sue me. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. You know, if these guys were doing a good job, you wouldn't hear a peep out of me. Nothing. I could actually see they were doing a good job in building the estate was growing and the lawns were mowed. It's not like that. Every house is still a shithole. Nobody's taking care of it. The people they hire aren't licensed contractors. It's just on and on and on and on. So it's time. You know, I might get my ass kicked going in there, but I might learn a whole bunch. And from my understanding, I can go back again. You can always go back in. Always, always, always. And it makes sense, too, if he claims it as his property. Any man or woman that comes forward to rebut it better have a superior claim or they're done. He's the king of the hill until somebody knocks him off with a higher claim. That's what I'm saying. It's like, look, guys, I'm just doing this to protect my family and what's right. Yeah, but but the way, but but it has to be done in a certain way where you're not sucked into their jurisdiction. The way you've been telling it uh, up until now a little bit, you sound like. You, you, you're 
taking the right stand. But up until now, you've been saying, you know, you want to take him to court. You're going to go in there and tell the judge this, you know, and uh, that's in their jurisdiction. You're not going to get what you want there. Vital, that was the original plan when I was new to this and I found Carl, you know, three months ago. That was the original plan. No, well, actually, I've been listening to him for probably five or six months now. But when I originally found him, I just listened to him for about a month. And then I found the chat boards and we got to talking. And uh, since then, what I've learned is the questions I had was, can I do this as a grandson? Do I have to have the permission of all the beneficiaries? Do you know what, what do I need? And what I understand is I don't need fucking anybody. If no man in my family is going to stand up and take charge, then I claim it. And if they want to walk into court and say, no, 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 it's going to be different. Well, then they can do that, which I don't believe will ever happen. Well, that that is true. But at the same time, if you can do it with a, a voice of unity, you will have much more power. I'll have 15 people in that courtroom behind me for sure. Now, there's probably 20 or 30 that could be there, but I'll take the 15. How can they be 20 or 30? Because we all have kids that are adults. I got a 24-year-old. I got a 17-year-old. They don't, as long as you're alive, they don't have any right yet. Jesus, Vital, they're still part of the family. I'm not saying they have rights, but they're there in one voice. They're saying, hey, look, these people are kicking us out. These are the people that they're trying to kick out of our home. I'm going to bring my children and then show them. No. Yeah, you can do that, but uh, I, I don't think it's necessary. I think I'm not going to put them on the stand. I'm just going how, how to how I've how I've been telling you to do it is probably the best approach you can take. Have okay. a meeting of the beneficiaries. This is what happens all across this earth every day. People that have an interest get together and they come to some kind of agreement and make a decision and, and, and now they have the full authority of those that have the say. You know, they'll appoint a chairman. They'll elect a president. They'll choose who the CEO is. You know, all this stuff. It happens all over the place. This is the same thing that will happen there. But all you really need is the beneficiaries that are uh, either direct children or children of the deceased children. You can terminate the trust too, guys. You can do what? You can terminate the trust. If it's a revocable trust, you can. How many beneficiaries does it take? (laughs) How many you got? Like how many many are in the trust? Well, I got uh, well Myself, my brother, my sister, my cousin, these are all direct. Their family members have passed. So any any direct kin, like any direct uh, sisters and brothers and grandfather? There's eight people all together. Yeah, do you have any? Right. Is it is all, he, all his kids and or is it his brother's? 
He, he's actually all I, all his brothers live out in Tennessee or some crap. I don't know where they live. They're we've never met them. They're all in the back of the woods. And uh, in terms of his kids, the only one that's alive, his actual blood kid, is his son. Both of his daughters have passed. So the other daughter. But your 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 grandfather's siblings don't get anything unless there is no other inheritors that come from him. No, the siblings don't get anything in the trust anyway. It doesn't say anything about I, I understand, but, but, but it wouldn't, it would, they wouldn't anyway. The only way your grandfather's brothers and sisters would get something is if he had never had any children. Well, now if you named in the trust, you're named in the trust. But he just said that they're not named in the trust. So yeah, listen, what I'm getting at is the hierarchy of the family named in the trust. Who is the highest uh, person in the family named in the trust? Normally it's the wife, then it's the children, and then from them, their children. That's, That's right. the hierarchy. So the, wife, the wife is gone. The grandmother is, is deceased, I hey, believe. Pal, hold on a second. Yes, he, exactly the way you said it is how it is. So now my mother and my cousin's mother has passed. So we would step into their place. Now, the trust originally, there was five children. Each child was to receive 20%. It was just set up that way. There was no arguing, no fighting. Sell everything, give them all 20%, have a nice day. You know, that's what Grandpa thought was best. And back then, the estate was quite large. Well, now we're down to uh, a little bit, and a lot of us don't feel the same way. Our parents have passed. Uh, my parent in particular was fighting for this trust to administer this trust because she saw all the crime. She complained and complained and complained. So here we are, you know, she's passed. I got boxes of everything and I run into Carl's stuff. And so we had a home next to where my mother lived where there was tenants and they had moved out. This has been three months this home had been empty. So I moved in. I moved in last month. Now they're attacking me because they're saying I'm uh, unlawfully detaining this property. But the whole time I've been doing what I'm doing, I've been writing letters to them, trying to talk to them, tell them, hey, we no longer require your services. What can we do, you know, to take care of this? Do you need a letter of rescission? Do you have some other forms we need to fill out? And basically they're not responding to these these questions. They're just attacking me now. So... I had because right now they're in charge and you're acting like a kid asking them for permission. So they're treating yeah. you like a kid and saying no. No lollipop. Well, one, one, exactly. one, you have no standing. Two, you're asking. Well, I know that you keep saying I have no standing. You should call Carl and talk to him about that because he seems to... Statutorily, you have no standing. As a man, you do. So That's stop right. writing, and, stop writing and saying... <laughs> He does have a standing, but it's diminished by the his rank in the trust, guys. It like it, it that's what happens when the court will look at it. They'll just they'll just say, okay, who has the highest standing? Well, it's the first son, right? Then it's the first daughter, and then whoever the next child is, right? And so on, right? That's the way that's the way that they have a standing in there. So he's a grandson, so his parents have to be um, hand over their interest to him. Right, so right. that he has standing at that level of the children. So whoever child, uh, children's families are left, 
all their kids have a certain amount of standing too. It, it gets quite convoluted, right? So if Carl no, says, it's it's pretty simple. The trust said it, it's twenty percent. So per uh, per child, Billy, and then all their siblings underneath, right? Listen, listen, listen. Billy, his sister, and his brother have twenty percent, right? The uncle right. has twenty percent. The aunt has twenty percent, and the cousin that was an only child has twenty percent, and the other two cousins have twenty percent. Yep, that's that's simple. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's pretty much it's very that simple. simple. Now yeah, the problem so, is that now so has, the problem is my uncle, who is the only son, and my aunt, who is the only daughter left, neither one of them want to do anything. They want no part of this. They're scared to death of these people. They don't even want to talk. I went over to show them some of the letters I've been writing, and she looked at me like, Billy, I don't even want to hear this. You know, because my okay. are they Are they willing to, to, to relinquish their part and, and grant it to, to the rest of the family? Absolutely the the not. Yeah. Absolutely not. See, that's irrelevant anyways, because whether they're helping or not, it doesn't mean they have to lose their inheritance or not. Yeah, I'm not trying to do that at all. I'm just saying, look, somebody is robbing us, and we need to stop it. And if you're too scared to say, hey, robber, stop it, I'm not. I'm going to say it. So you have, so, to, you have to aim at breaking up the trust. That's, that's what it is, because that's what gives them the title to do it, the trustee. That every, every time they appoint the uh, the trustee, uh, the new trustee, and they're doing the same thing, right? You gotta destroy the trust and then give someone the power of attorney and reset up everything. So you have to come okay. to a solution. How do before. I destroy the trust? See, I haven't even trained you. You yourself that. can't. You have to get agreement of the parties. The beneficiaries That's have to come I'm together. This is almost impossible. So, so then I think you're, you're basically screwed unless something it's happens. It's not. It's not. It's not impossible. And the ones that don't want to participate, they either uh, uh, are the minority, so you get a majority to do it, and the other ones don't care one way or the other, or you get them to sign something saying, we'll go along with whatever ends up happening that the other 60% wants to do. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Billy's been doing that, right? And he's had no luck, right? Yeah, look, I've wrote letters, I've went to their homes, I've called them, you know, it's just no reply, no reply, no reply, no reply. So, you know, here, okay, and so they're all happy and cozy in their homes because they're not getting kicked out, right? And this is not my mother's side of the family, there was two sides of the family, and then one boy that came from both, my grandparents. And so... Both parents have passed, and one of the other side has passed. But the one that's living, she's in her home, and she's comfortable. She doesn't pay for meals or electricity or anything. So, you know, here we are getting kicked out. And uh, it's, just, it's not right. I mean, this is just stupid. And my mom knew it was stupid, and I really know it's stupid. But... Um, Somebody's got to start answering some questions. It's that simple for me. And my main question is, show me the contract which gave anybody jurisdiction to place an order. Just show me that contract. That's what I want to see because all I've seen are court orders. 
Okay. Well, these men assumed they had jurisdiction. Okay. That's nice. Show it to me. Show it to me because I don't believe it's around. Who's these men? What do you mean? Well, look at You mean the trustee? No, 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 no. Okay. How did this thing get to court? Period. What happened was there was a power of attorney that was given to a CPA. This CPA, we fired. The court appointed some other lady. We, she sold a bunch of shit. We fired her. The court appointed the bank. The whole time this is happening, my mom is fighting them, saying, no, no, I want to conserve. I want to be the guardian. We want the property back. Complaining after this. Complain, complain, complain. Okay, it was just one big runaround that we are not allowed to administer our property. Why? Because she was showing up as a person, I believe. Okay, so I believe that original void judgment is what I need to go after because that original power of attorney that gave the CPA the power, I don't believe was an actual contract. I don't believe there was four legs on the table, as Richard Cornforth would say. So, so you're saying the trust is not valid? Not the trust. It's how we got into probate. Okay. Look, if my grandfather ran his business with one lady for 40 years, and then somehow this other lady gets on the accounts, okay, and then my mother goes to the to the state to try to get this lady off the account. Meanwhile, all this is happening. This power of attorney is drawn up, giving this lady, you know, like second in line if the other guy can't do it, the CPA. It was a big scam. So what I'm saying is I want to see the contract. I want to see my grandfather sign, uh, the CPA sign, a witness sign, and the trust get signed. These are all the things that make a contract, a real contract. And then I don't. I haven't seen it. I've looked everywhere. I've asked for it. They won't give it to me. So I figure, what a better way? Go to court. They're going to pull me into court anyway. I'm going. Now I can ask for the contract. You know? Forget if I have standing. When your mother started started fighting, was your grandfather sane at the time? I'm sorry? When your mother started fighting this stuff, she started seeing what was going on, was your grandfather, uh, you know, sane at the time, able to to make decisions? Yeah, he was. Uh, his so, health wasn't the greatest back then. Obviously, that's why the estate had kind of fallen. But uh, you know, he was he was getting around. But you know, it, what happened? Like you said, the the estate was kind of not doing well. He wasn't doing well, so the estate didn't do well, and and the the paperwork I got was my mother and my grandfather standing in court, and the judge had said, well, what do you think about selling a home so that you can get your estate back in order? He said, yeah, I think that'd be fine. Well, then when the judge said, well, you know, we'll have the attorneys go to this broker, and he's like, hold on, hold on, you know, I can sell my own house. So, yeah, he was of sound mind, I believe, back then. So, that, I mean, that would have been the the good time to do it because he would be able to reverse this whole thing himself. Oh, listen, if I knew Carl's stuff back then, 
it would have been on and cracking. But I had the judge tell me to shut up. You know what I mean? I tried on many occasions with my mom, and uh, it just got so defeating, guys. You know, they they had carte blanche. They could hire as many attorneys as they want to fight us. And even we went out and hired attorneys to fight them, thinking this will be it. This is this time we'll get it back. Yeah. Well, this, um, this contract you're talking about that you don't believe exists, would that not be the trust? Like no. the, whatever they call it, the the memorialization of the trust or whatever, would that not be the contract that you're talking about? No. What, what I'm talking about is the power of attorney that was given to the TPA. To ha- would be the trust, would it not? It, what do they call that, the indenture? Wouldn't that all be in there? I think, the, I, think the, I think the contract you're talking about that doesn't exist is the trust indenture itself. The power well, if, it, if, it, if it exists, it would be good because you could have a documents expert look at it and, uh, you know, you could invalidate it. would be would be good. Hang on. Uh, I'm talking about the power of attorney, Mike, for the CPA. Which, which would be in the trust, would it not? Like if I was leaving everything I own to my daughter and then I appointed a trustee, that would be the power of attorney. Yes. Something happens to the trustee, a new trustee's moved in. Right. I think the contract you're talking about is all included inside the indenture, if that's the right word. And if you could invalidate that, you know, that. Well, My, I think I yeah, oh, up, in a boat. But basically, this power of attorney, it read that this guy, Tory, was going to basically have control over everything. And then if he was unable to, the lady my grandpa was banging could do it. And if she was unable to, the bartender could do it. And so that's the thing I want to go after because that just looked like a crock of shit. And so I need to bring forth what who, what started this? What who, what is the document which gave the court jurisdiction to place an order to sell a home? Any of that? So your grandfather had this lady in charge. If she couldn't do it, somebody else was in charge. If she couldn't do it, the bartender. Who who decided all that? Would that not have that, been your grandfather? I highly doubt it. And this is this is the thing. Okay, so the only thing that I found attached to this crazy document that said. This CPA that he had only known for a year, maybe a year and a half, was going to now administer the whole trust, okay, which was everything, all the properties, all the bank accounts, everything, okay. If he was unable to fulfill his duties, the property manager who my grandfather had for years and he was, you know, doing, she would do it. And if she wasn't able to do it, then this other lady that nobody knows was going to do it. And well, see, hold on, though. This makes no sense to me. Yeah, who, who gave the power of attorney in the first place? To me, it had to have been your grandfather. Okay, yes. Now, listen. This document, at the end of the page, was signed. Okay? There's no other signatures, just his. Now, there's attached to it. Oh, excuse me. Attached to it was a notary. And in the notary... He keeps calling my grandfather a her and a she. 
And so those are the only two things. And so there's no witness. There's no signature from Tory, the guy that's supposed to take over. I mean, there's nothing. It's, it's are there signatures? Are there signatures of your grandfather from around that time? And you could comp- have a, a, a signature expert check it and compare it to that signature. Man, I got five days. I'm not going to be a, forensic right now. I'm, I got could, five. It days. could be a. It could be a forged document. It but, is. I'm telling you. Well, but you can you can say it all you want, but if you don't have an expert witness, you saying it does nothing. Well, I want to see what went through court on day one, okay? When that guy, Tory, walked in and slapped that down and said, I'm now the conservator of this estate, I want to see the document that the court said, yep, looks like everything's in order. You are now the conservator. Yeah, and if nobody That's complains, document, I want to see. If, if nobody if nobody uh, uh, challenges it, then that's what happens. That's exactly what happened because, okay, this is a whole soap opera thing, but they took my grams, okay? They took him out of state for like a year, a year and a half. We never even got to speak to him. As a matter of fact, it was a fluke that we found him. He was in some hospital in Santa Monica. The gardener drove by this old house and said, hey, you seen Mac? And she's like, oh, some little old lady. Oh, he's at the hospital down here. And that guy went and told my mom, and we went down there and got him out and brought him back home. And so they literally took him from us for a long time. And when he came back, that's when she was on the bank accounts. And my mom flipped. She was like, What? How is she the vice president all of a sudden? So we went to the banks, tried to get her off, nothing. Go to the state, we give them control, go get her out. We paid her $40,000 to move out of the house and get the fuck out of here. Now we tell the uh, the, uh, the people or, you know, the court, we want our property back. We want to, you know, we want our shit back. Oh, no, you need a bond. You need good credit. Uh, you guys can't run this estate. It's too large for you. Meanwhile, my grandfather just, you know, he was in the hospital. We were just getting him back home. So, hold on. So, couldn't you have hired uh, 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 some type of uh, estate manager or whatever to to do that for you and then go into the court and say, okay, we have somebody to manage it now? Vital, I'm talking 10 years ago, okay? This is all the shit that my mother and her father tried. You know, my father, my grandfather went to an attorney's office with me and my mother to try to hire an attorney to get his own estate back. So it's just. Do you wait a minute? Do you have do you have evidence of that? Hell, I don't know. I'm sure I do in these boxes, but it was just. I'm saying that that attorney that you guys went to was he is he still around? Would he be a witness that you could use? I don't remember the guy's name. I don't. You know, my because mother did that, that. Please that's, understand, guys, I'm, I'm just taking over. Okay, mom's been dead now six months, and uh, I'm taking over. That's all I'm doing. And so, Because there, there's there's uh, evidence right there that your grandfather wanted this reversed. That could be powerful. Vital, I have evidence, I'm sure, if I knew how to read it properly. I have fraud in boxes over here but no i'm saying uh, 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 uh you know uh, eyewitness somebody uninterested with first-hand knowledge the attorney and, and 
I, I, it's down to the wire. I'm going to court. You know, I'm going to write these letters. I'm going to acknowledge their summons. And then if they, you know, continue, then we'll, uh, I got to go in there. And if I go in there, I got to go in with my own claim. I would suggest uh, getting all the beneficiaries together or as many as you can, a majority if you can, so that one person has the authority to speak for the beneficiaries and have uh, uh, authority, not just go in there. Do you also have to refer to courts like a big ping pong game? They knock the ball over to you, you knock the ball back. And it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so when your mom and your grandfather were in court, your grandfather went on the record saying, uh, whatever, I I allow all my kids to live in the properties. And then the other side said something. And then the judge said, well, I believe Mr. So-and-so wants his kids to be living in the property. And then the other side hit the ball back and nobody responded. I think that's all that happened in court. It yeah, just went just... back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until finally your mom and your grandfather failed to answer and the last word stands. Yeah, it's just like that. You know, they're just in there being bamboozled. They don't know what the hell. They got all these people in suits telling them, you got to do this, you got to do that, you know. Grandma's hiring lawyers, grandpa's hiring lawyers, everybody's hiring lawyers. They don't know what the hell's going on. But it sounds to me like your mom and your grandfather were on the same team saying the same thing, and they somewhere along the line dropped the ball. So what I'm saying, there's got to be documents stating your grandfather's wishes while he was still competent. Yeah, and on top of that, there's that attorney that he went to trying to get his services to reverse this thing. Yeah, like in some of the writings, they, uh, the judge said, uh, I think we need a competent, competent, competency test. And... Uh, my grandfather's lawyer said he has already had one through his doctor so-and-so, and he's just fine. And so they, you know, talked a little while longer, and then, of course, they slipped it in there. So he ended up getting another one. And uh, that's when they declared that he's, you know, out of his mind and he can't take care of his estate and it needs a conservator. And so, anyway, here we are. I'm going to... Uh, I'm just going to go and claim that someone's administering my property without rights. See how this works out. If you're going to do that, like I said, I would suggest going in there speaking with the most authority that you can garner, which is getting as many of the beneficiaries as you can to agree that you are the one appointed to do that. And I would do it in a meeting, like I said, with with, uh, meeting minutes with someone uninterested uh, being the secretary of the meeting and recording, uh, you know, who who voted and, and all that. Well, I'm going to talk to my uncle. I know where he works. He won't answer a call, but I know he has to go to work. So I'm going to go just jam him up, and I'll take a letter with me. I'll just have a little talk with him and tell him. 
you know, this is where we're at. This is what we're doing. Do you want? I would. I would probably. I would probably talk to all the others that you're talking with first, so that when you go there, you can say, uh, "I, Johnny, Mary, Kathy, we all talked, and uh, we would like to do this, and we would like to see if you could help us accomplish it." And so if you can't, then you know. I don't need to put anything in writing from my uncle. I just need to go tell him that everybody on this side agrees, and this is how we want to proceed. And would you like to proceed on this? And if he says yes, I'm going to ask him, okay, can you sign something that says I can go into court and speak for you on your behalf? And if he well, agrees to that, well, then there you go. I got on, on, on behalf, on the, that he agrees that you speak on behalf of everybody. Uh, and if well, he doesn't, then he has, and then I'll have all the letters of all the other ones saying I can speak on their behalf. And, well, I'm just and, know, that, like and if he uh, doesn't, if he doesn't, then you could have a letter that says that he doesn't mind that you're doing it. He's got no objection to you doing it. Right. I'll he may not agree something. with it. That's a good idea. He may and not agree with it. Another thing is, if Aunt Mary is behind you 100 percent. But Uncle Bob doesn't care, and Aunt Mary and Uncle Bob are friendly. Get Aunt Mary to go over and talk to Uncle Bob and convince Uncle Bob to stop being a lazy stiff. Yeah, it's all personality and who's siding with who and all that. Yeah, it's not these guys. I don't even think anybody talks to anybody. It's so crazy. The family is so separated. I can't tell you guys. We have Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, but maybe good. this will bring maybe this will bring everybody together. You know, well, sometimes an emergency. Huh? That's what I'm shooting for. If I could, you know, say, hey, look, guys, we don't have to worry about people stealing from us anymore. You guys want to have dinner now? That'd be nice. There you go. See, another way of looking at it: if you if you knock on my door and say you stole my bike, give it back, I'm gonna laugh at you. If you show up at my door with your mom and dad, your two brothers, your sister, your next door neighbor, and now I got a bit of a problem. That's why it's important to get the whole family behind you, strength and unity the whole bit. If it's just one if it's just one guy being a pain, he's like a mosquito. Slap him and move on. But if if there's a swarm, it's a little bit of a different story. No, I hear you. Uh, I really like what you said earlier is, uh, you know, just send them a bunch of letters, ask a bunch of questions, and why are you being so hostile? Um, you know, I like that. Another thing, too, if you start getting if you start getting answers to your letters and it kind of looks like what you're doing is working, it might convince some of the family members that are on the fence. Holy shit, Billy's writing all these letters. He's getting answers. It looks like he's getting somewhere. Maybe he's not some stupid crackhead. Maybe he actually has a point. Maybe he does have a hope of doing this. Convince them. All right. I'm getting a headache talking about this. I think <laughs> you always get I a think, headache. I think we beat this around enough. <laughs> When's the call landing? Uh, I don't know. I um, I went it's to the only been three hours and forty five minutes. I went to the talk show page uh, 
a little more than 15 minutes before 7, and it was already on. So I don't know. It already started before I got on. All right. Okay. So, Mike, uh, what do you have to tomorrow? Um, same thing I do every day, try and take over the world. Slacking? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Setting the coordinates, be nice. <laughs> Smoking some cannabis and pretending and, like, imagining that you're taking over the world, but it's only in your mind. Uh, I can't smoke any weed. Nobody's donating me any. Oh, we need to fix that. I would love uh, to get weed in the mail. I would laugh my ass off if I got weed in the mail. Send me your address. <laughs> where's that slacker? Where's that slacker, Brian? Uh, uh, I've been listening to you. You back uh, <laughs> off, buddy. <laughs> Funny thing, we start talking about slackers, and you mention Brian. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, even the Brian, that's not even the Brian I was talking about. <laughs> well, that's good. But, but he must have had a guilty conscience. No, no, I heard the word Brian. Well, what do you think? You're the only Brian in the world? The world according to uh, Brian? Well, Brian means strong and the empowerment and everything else. Yeah, yeah. I think so you're, yeah, but, so but you're assuming is, liability for all the Brians of the world? But older than no, I, 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 I heard, uh, heard Vitell say the slacker, Brian. I just heard <laughs> Brian. <laughs> I don't know who the slacker is. So in any case, I, I, uh, I could use your assistance tomorrow. So I'll reach out to you. All right. Yeah, I, uh, I'll be around all day tomorrow. Be around somewhere at least. Yeah. All right. Turbo. I think uh, Vitel was just getting me back for saying vittles earlier. That's tender vittles to you. Yeah. <laughs> Cat food. Uh, they're crunchy by now. What's that? They're crunchy by now. Oh, uh, yeah. Crunchy or soggy. One or the other. <laughs> so what else has been going on? I haven't been in touch uh, or in the rooms for a while. I got uh, in common law. How many? How many messages? Damn, five thousand two hundred forty-two messages. <laughs> really? Now who's the who's the slacker now, huh? <laughs> oh my god! Well, I've been. I can't be slacking <laughs> listening. I can't be slacking reading all those messages. I have real things to do. You're both talking at the same time, so I can hear either one. Yeah, Where I learned my been? lesson the hard. I learned my lesson the hard way. I went back on Skype in the last couple of days and started responding and got myself busy again. Oh man, I'm gonna stay away from that. Five thousand two hundred forty-two messages. That sense 
uh, December 23rd, 20, 22nd, 20th, somewhere around there. You've been slacking hard that long? Man, that's that's a lot of messages, man. You guys are doing some useless messages. Can be all good information. So anyway, what else, what else is going on with everybody else's cases and who's doing what? We should do like a little update every every week of where people are at and what's happening. You mean like on the talk show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh, minutes of the meeting, right? Yeah, like uh, like old business and where we're at, you know? Mike can call the meeting to order and then uh, call on the secretary. And What's going on with uh, Al King? He's got court coming up, I think, on the 6th. All right. He hasn't been around. Was he working? What's going on? Well, he's pissed off at you again. Uh, he's always. Everybody's always pissed off at me. Not me. I never get pissed off at you. <laughs> you, you just, you're just polite when I piss you off. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got plenty of reasons to, but you know, why am I gonna let that get in the way of uh, lousy friendship? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's going on with? Uh, I can't Al? remember. I heard something about Al's case not long ago, but for some reason I forget. There was something Al's weird going on, like. Um, I don't know, I guess he was being a bit of a pain in the ass in court, and he was hard for them to manage. They ended up dropping both charges, and then some guy, I don't even know who, but some guy just recharged him. I don't know if it was the judge or the prosecutor or who did it, but they dropped his original charge. They dropped his original charges and then charged him with the exact same charges. Well, here's something interesting, too. You can't be tried for the same thing twice. So if you can get that on freaking paper, he should take that to court. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. He wasn't tried yet. It was tried. No, he's, uh, as far as I know, oh, wait, no, the last time uh, the judge entered a plea on his behalf, but he hasn't gone to trial yet. I'm not sure, but on the 6th, it might be his pre-trial. So uh, there's, that's something that we should uh, talk about when a judge does that. Uh, should we maybe enter a notice into the court that there's a new defendant, the one that the man that plea that entered the plea? Yeah, like some kind. I don't about? know. Yeah. Are you talking about the judge judge making? Yeah, the judge judge so is he accepting to be the defendant? Or at least accepting liability for for his actions. Yeah, that might that might be interesting approach. And then the and then the judge prosecuting is another another thing that probably could be attacked as well. 
I, I was thinking about doing that in, in uh, my hearing the last time. I never got around to it. They called my brother up to see if he understood what uh, what was going on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It seems weird because uh, there'll be a whole bunch of people with the same issue. And then we'll start up a new Skype room, especially for that subject. And it usually lasts a couple months, and then the room goes silent. And I don't know why nobody can seem to be organized. And I don't know. Well, what I what I see missing is is uh, exactly what I what I was just doing is, you know, keeping these things alive, and you know, and you know, uh, don't spend so much time on one issue uh like billy's billy's issue i mean we 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 all kind of aware of what the situation is uh and we keep talking about the same things over and over we push it over you know forward a little bit more but we're wasting so much time talking about the details that we already know uh the same thing with uh was that the guy daniel that the the mother of the child got killed and then the, his girlfriend the grandmother is trying to get the child back or something. Yep. That that we wasted a lot of time with that and meanwhile there's probably somebody on the call right now that could use a little bit of guidance and and we're not doing it. We're also not um, keeping track of everybody and trying to uh, to be you know uh, a, a close knit group of people that are aware of each other's, you know, issues and trying to help and learn from each other and all that. And I think that's important to do. Well, it's, it's, I kind of see how it happens. They'll say, say the common law Skype room. There's a ton of people in that room and a whole bunch of people in that room have say traffic tickets. So then we start a traffic ticket room, put a bunch of people in it, there's a little bit of chatter for a few weeks and then all of a sudden everybody puts their traffic issues in the common law room and nobody puts it in the traffic issues room. Yeah, and that's why it gets to 5,000 somewhat uh, uh, messages that it's kind of hard to keep up with. Yeah, so uh, now, if I, now if I get a speeding ticket, I got to sift through 300,000 messages to find stuff about speeding tickets and the speeding ticket room is empty. So now I can't yeah, even go and find answers anywhere. Yeah, and that's why setting up rooms is important. And then we probably we probably need to use a different type of uh, place or maybe Skype uh, can be somewhat uh, adapted to it, is maybe putting some one or two people in charge of that room and uh, and having them, you know, kind of run it in a way that they can control some of, you know, the stuff that is a, a time robber, you know, uh, that may be helpful, you know, like some type of moderator or something like that. Two or three people that, that can do that and put them in charge. And uh, whenever they need help from somebody that knows a little bit more, they can reach out to them, you know. Um but you know, I think it's it's time that like we try not to lose anybody, and you know, keep getting more and more people involved. You know, it's always the same people that are that are talking, um, and uh, 
and we actually haven't heard from some of the other people that used to be around all the time, like TJ and uh, um, uh, Scott, and uh, haven't heard too much from Ron, uh, Renita. I don't even know what's happening with her. So, uh, you know, those are just some of the names that are popping into my head. You know, Alan Kalking and um, and and that happens also in in, in other talk shows. I think you know. Um, I don't know what happens, but I don't think it ever goes over two hundred people. You know, one hundred fifty, two hundred people. Yeah, I think we all should try uh, posting our traffic issues room or our traffic our traffic situation in the traffic room and have the family court stuff put it into the family courtroom and I don't know maybe start a room for trusts or family estates or whatever and everybody with those kind of issues go in that room and try and keep reminding people that there's a specific room for that topic. Yeah. Just cause I, I think that's the whole idea why a lot of these rooms were started. Like the common law room is a good room just to dump all the new people in there and to meet other people and make contacts. And cause somebody, somebody new calls in and they have a traffic problem then dump them in the common law room, get them to meet other people and put them into the traffic issues room. Yep. I agree. Uh, and, and that's kind of how we, we've been doing it for uh, a whole bunch of months now. The thing is, uh, I don't think we're putting leadership in place to, to be running that, mm-hmm. to, to, to keep it alive and, and, and maybe, you know, even, you know, uh, checking in with them and see how things are going. If they, you know, if they need any help, any type of thing like that. And then the other important thing is growing networks near where you live. You know, that's one thing that I dedicate a lot of time to, more so than anything else, because those are the people that will really be there for you when you know when you need. Um, a ride or, you know, help with something or, you know, show up in court and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, I think having people in your immediate location is uh is pretty important. Yeah, I think it's the I think it's the most important thing is that. Like I think it's I think it's a, a very good idea to have somebody in your town or close to your town where if something blows up in your face and you go to jail, you have somebody close to you with the power of attorney and you can just call them up and say, file this, file that. Yep. And also uh, taking it a little step further, which is something that I've been kind of working on with some of the people here is, uh, uh, you know, start pitching some money together to uh, if somebody needs to be bailed out, you know, you can, you know, uh, pull your money and, and go bail somebody out. Yep. Because those are yep. like the two important things is, is you know, some kind of help filing things and, and some kind of help bailing you out. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea too, because <clears throat> some people are in a tough spot because they don't have money for the filing fee or they don't have enough money to keep up with sending registered or certified mail. Yep. Yeah, somebody I, I, I read or heard somebody say that uh, to cut down on costs, what you can do is you send the first one certified mail uh, just with tracking. You don't have to do the signature return unless it's something very important. And once yeah. you've established that they received mail addressed that particular way, uh, then all the other ones can be just sent first class unless, unless it's something important that you really need to show that it got there. Um, and uh, and that should 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 be enough just sending it first class. Well, uh, that's my trick. I'm not going to say I invented it, but what I came up with was send the first one regular mail. And if they answer you by regular mail, you're golden. Keep sending them back and forth regular mail. But if you're not getting responses, then you're going to have to send re uh, registered or certified. But yeah, they if I send them. you a letter regular mail and you don't respond to it, then I can send you a second letter saying, hey, man, you forgot to respond to my letter. Here's a copy. And then send that one registered or certified. That way you got two letters in, in one registered mailing. There you go. Yeah, that's that's good advice too. Because I know a long time ago I had a ton of registered mail to send out. I Up here we don't have the option of, of certified. Um, we have registered and express post, but I can't remember. I think express post, which is the cheapest, is like eight bucks or close to eight bucks or something. So even even express post up here gets a little pricey. Yeah, he he is pretty reasonable. It's uh, like what is it, forty nine cents, and then three dollars for the certified with tracking. Well, the thing is, is that express post is a trackable envelope, and uh, but you have to pay an extra two dollars for it to be uh, with a signature. I don't think the uh, the courts uh, unilaterally accept uh, express post as proof of service. Doing just doing the old-fashioned registered mail well, is a mandatory uh, signature. The thing with uh, registered mail is it's uh, insured and everything. Like I don't know. Oh, am I still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're. Yeah, gone. I don't know. I don't know what what kind of insurance uh, uh, Express Post has, but with registered mail, they have it in a locked a locked mail bag, and it rides up front with the driver, and overnight it gets put in a vault, and there's signatures uh, signatures telling who dropped the mail off at what time, who they released the mail to what time it went in the vault, what time it came out. And in a court situation, you could subpoena all that information. And it's it's insured, so I think that's why courts will take registered mail more serious. The registered mail gets pricey. And down there with you yeah, guys, I mean, is that thing where uh, 
registered mail is through the post office instead of the postal service, which puts it into common law jurisdiction as opposed to the de facto or whatever. Yeah. Also, resume. Sure how much time I mean, it all depends what level of proof of service you need. You know, uh, if you're just sending letters back and forth, the way you were saying it, Mike, or the way I was saying it, should be should be enough. If you need the proof of service to enter into a court case or something like that. You know, you can use a process server, uh, whatever the court accepts. You know, you find the cheapest way to do it, um, and and that's you know, if you need it with proof of service to be entered, you know, uh, into a court case. But if you're just building up a record, um, then the other way should should be plenty. Yeah, I'm not sure where this idea came about getting a process server to file your documents because that's not what process servers do. Process servers don't file lawsuits on your behalf. They serve lawsuits on your behalf. They're just process servers, not process filers. Yeah, I don't know too much about that. Well, a process server is serving documents on people. So you're not serving a document, like you're not suing the, the court clerk or the clerk of the court. You're not serving papers on her. You're getting paperwork to her so that she can file it for you. Because process servers bring you the envelope that says somebody's suing you. And then they have to file an affidavit back to the court, and that's an independent, uh, an interested party doing the service. Yeah, but but again, though they're doing the service, and then they're they serve, filing. They serve they're filing court, Right, they're serving court papers, not serving your papers to the court. See, they, I don't know. Do they file the affidavit, or do they just? give you the affidavit and it's up to you to file it. I don't think they actually go to the courthouse and file their affidavit. I think they just give you an affidavit and you, it's up to you to go file it. It depends on what your jurisdiction is customary. Like in uh, in Connecticut, at the Superior Court at least, uh, they have their own state marshals that go out and serve and, and, and handle all of it. You just, I think you pay the court and then they do the service. Other places you have to hire somebody to go serve it for you. And other places the court just sends it out and it's been, you know, served. So I don't know. It depends on where you're at, I guess. So can we go back updating some of uh, these people and what's going on? Hey, what's up? Who's that? Oops, one second. Let me, let me get uh, my headphones on quick. What's going on with Scott? I don't know. I haven't heard that guy in a long time. I've seen him on a couple of chat boards here and there, but he doesn't get on the phone anymore. 
Actually, I don't huh. think he even types on the boards anymore. Yeah, I haven't seen him at all. I haven't right. met him all much, but I... He's probably sick of me picking on him, too. <laughs> What's going on with... Um... Oh, damn, it just slipped my mind. Oh, uh, Cheyenne. Uh, Cheyenne was on the other day. Um, What's going on with her? Uh, you know, after we talked to her that day, with the with the town and uh, putting up a fence and all that stuff. Any update? No, I don't think she's updated us on any of that yet. All right. What's going on with Terry? He behaving himself? Oh yeah, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Which Terry are you referring to? <laughs> Slacker you. Terry. Slacker Terry. I don't, you, know. You, I don't you, know who you're talking you. about. <laughs> Which Terry is that? Whatever <laughs> you have, my name is Terry. Not Teresa, that's for sure. So uh, you, you, on your case, um, you, you worked on some kind of agreement with them, right? And that's kind of off your plate for now? What do you mean worked on an agreement? Wasn't there like some, they dropped some charges and you agreed to something else in probation or something? Oh, I, uh, I basically got pity. They just took pity on me. They give you, that's all right. Yeah, yeah I'm still found guilty. Well, maybe you can go back and once you know a lot, you can go back and reverse it. Yeah, I'm working on that right now, getting some information uh, so good. I could uh, I could appeal it with new evidence. All right, that's good. I said I could always make a mistake. Well, we all do, and if you learn from your mistakes, then that's that's all right too. What's going on with uh, Brian, the the lead foot speeder? The left foot speeder. Lead. Lead foot. Heavy <laughs> foot. I think he puts like a piece of lead inside his right shoe. <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing, Brian. Don't, don't need to be which, upset. Which which guy is Brian that you're talking about? It wasn't Brian having some issue with... Uh, traffic police or something. I'm going to plug my phone in. You guys still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm going to plug my charger in or else the phone's going to die. Where's Brian? It's quiet. For some reason, I'm not sure who you're talking about. Hold on one second. Is that an order? All right. Didn't Brian have some some traffic ticket or something that he was fighting? For you mean slack? You mean slacker, Brian? That we were just talking to? Yeah, slacker, your your neighbor. <laughs> He's not on. He was on. Holy crap! There's lots of people on the call. Oh, that's good. Not a lot. Yeah, he's still on the phone. He's just ignoring you. 
or he's muted out. I didn't mute him. Not yet. All right. Anybody new that wants to say hello? Before the call ends? You're here. You came on. You might as well introduce yourself a little bit. Can't sound any worse than uh, than Mike. <laughs> Joe Spree. Who's Joe Spree? He doesn't have to tell you. Well, he better spree it up. Yeah, no, oh, I see him on the uh, chat boards. I don't know if I've ever heard his voice or not. Well, these people are all on the phone, right? What's, who's uh, free node? He's muted. They're all eavesdropping. Who's, who's North Georgia? South Minnesota might be, um, what's Richie. his name? Richie. Richie. Richie Rodrigo. It might hey also be uh, might also be Melissa. Hi, guys. Ah, I was right. How's it going? It's Melissa. <laughs> no, that was, that was just Richie. My bad, guys. Just, that was just Richie, actually. That was me. What are you, a cross-dresser? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you can see how he's dressed. <laughs> well, he, he gets a cross and he dresses it. <laughs> you know, they, put, they have, like, purple for Easter and, you know, white for... Uh, and you on actually and do on, that at the Catholic Church. I know. I'm Catholic. Nice. Well, I was, I'm a recovering, somewhat recovering Catholic. So who's in North Georgia? Not sure. Mark is on too? Oh, no, that's Terry. Rainbow Pony God. All right. I guess everybody's being shy. The great Vital is on the phone. Great I'll talk to There's nothing to be shy about. I, I don't even speak English that well. <laughs> Neither do I. And legally, it's even worse. Well, your English is better than most lawyers. <laughs> Uh, yeah. They don't even speak English. Well, my brother speaks. My brother speaks their language pretty well. He tells me. I, I said, "You don't even know what defendant means." And he goes, "Yeah, defendant. You're defending yourself." And then I tell him, "Well, if you're innocent until proven guilty, well, why do you need to defend?" So anybody else to update on? Those are just things I'm thinking off the top of my head. You done anything with your stuff, Mike? No, I've uh, been slacking. I do. Well, you don't even have to say you're slacking. We already know that. 
Have well, Mike why, asking me if I did anything then if you know the answer already. What's up, Mike? Hey, how's it going? What's going on? Um Who's that? I I got that uh it's Richie from South Minnesota. I got that uh letter. I like your from, other uh, voice better. Can you hear me? Oh <laughs> Yeah, I like I like your other voice better. <laughs> you don't want to talk in that one again. <laughs> But I could. I wonder if you live close to Melissa. Hey, no, he's, uh, I'm actually central Minnesota. He's south by Rochester. We're about two, what, Richie, about an hour and a half, two hours away? No, I'm about an hour away. How are you? Yeah, I'm 45 well, just, minutes from Lakeville. You oh, just have a faster car. Oh, Atana. You just, you just have a faster car. Or drive faster. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would think you... I, I think you would be the same distance away. <laughs> it's as far to me as it is for me to you as it is for you to me. <laughs> oh, it takes me an hour. It takes me only 45 minutes. Well, you're driving faster. Oh, yeah, but I get it. And All right, so tell, us some, tell us some stories. What are you guys up to? Well, I got that uh, letter in the mail from the uh, from Jim, and he uh, enclosed the petition to enter a guilty plea. And he said, uh, "Please review it, and if you are in agreement with, if you are in agreement, sign it and return it to our office to be filed with the Steele County Court Administration." Did he sign it? Yeah, but with like one of those, um, like digital. Artificial ones. Signature. Yeah. Artificial signature. Yeah. Hey, what's the What's the issue? And um, I'm guessing I'm guessing Jim is a pros, uh, prosecutor for a living. Yeah. He access one. What's the, What's the issue, Richie? Mike, do you kind of remember or no? Well, uh, you remember. <laughs> Well, it was about I, I, I sort of remember some of it, but there's probably a bunch of other people that'll have no clue what we're talking about unless you yeah. mention it real quick. All right. Um, well, basically, I got pulled over um, in my town um, by a, a state trooper, and he cited me for having no brake lights on. And then after he pulled me over, he issued me a ticket um, for uh, driving after revocation. And I didn't have my uh, state ID on me, so I verbally um, ID'd myself is what he said on the ticket. But, yeah, I gave him my name and date of birth, and he let me be on my way. And um, somebody had to pick up the car. So right. That was the the ticket. That was a driving after revocation ticket. It's like a two hundred and eighty dollar fine, and comes with all these court costs and all this other crap. And so how do uh, you know your how do you know your brake lights weren't working? Um, because I forgot to uh, put them back on when I was messing with um, some stuff in my vehicle. No, but how do you know? Don't the lights come on when you step on the brake? Yeah, but I, I disconnected them when I was messing with my radio. No, 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 but listen to me. You're not listening. 
don't your lights come on when you step on the brake? Is that, yeah. Isn't that how it's supposed to work? Yeah. So how's you know how's you know you're stepping on the brake? He didn't because they didn't come on at all. It was nighttime. Right. But if you never step on the brake, then it's all right. I guess. Yeah, you're right. You know, like if you had the, like a um, a stick shift, and you're using your clutch to slow down your car, you wouldn't put the brakes on. So how's you know you're stepping on the brake? It's funny. I was driving a manual too. <laughs> so that, I mean, he's not inside your car to see when you're stepping on the brake. Anyway, Just tell, so him that's brand, tell him I had a brand new brake job done, and I didn't want to wear down my pads at all, so I geared down and used my parking brake instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of these things are so silly that it, it's crazy. Who was saying the other day, uh, I think it might have been Fritz. He comes up with some good ones. He goes, <laughs> Fritz is awesome. He goes, driving through a stop sign? I mean, can you imagine doing that? I didn't drive through a stop sign. Some kind of quantum physics trick? <laughs> I don't even see a hole there. <laughs> what happened? I healed up as I drove through it? You didn't come to a complete stop. Oh, didn't you notice? God. Didn't you notice the sign said fifty-five? Ah, I didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! No, I was one. following. I was following the ninety-five sign. Well, that's the highway number. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one I go by. <laughs> So what's going on with your uh, battle there, Richie? So he wrote you back. Uh, have you been to court yet? Mm, I was supposed to be in court, but I uh, didn't go, and then they issued a warrant. Oh, I remember this now. Yeah, yeah, it's coming back to me. Uh, so did you say he offered you a green? And uh, he offered you um, a plea? And he's yeah, I have it right plea? here in front of me. This should be good. <laughs> okay, can I start on that? It says uh, petition to enter guilty plea. Can you hear me fine? Yep. Yeah. Okay, it says number one, I am the defendant in this case and plead guilty to the following offenses no Minnesota driver's license in violation of Minnesota statute 171.02. Subdivision 1. Number two, I am pleading guilty because on September 15th, 2014, in Steele County, I committed the following acts. I did drive upon a public roadway knowing I did not have a valid Minnesota's driver's license. Number three, I understand that the maximum possible sentence for the misdemeanor offense to which I am pleading guilty is a fine of 90 days in jail and or a fine of $1,000. Further, a fine? Wait, wait, a fine of 90 days in jail? Yep. 
What the hell kind of wedding is that? I'm yeah, almost done here. Weird. Yeah, that's. I'm almost done here, though. Um, that's not fine. You you got to tell him that's not fine with you. Go ahead. Further, I understand that if I am not a citizen of the United States, and he didn't put an S at the end of the states, my and he put a comma. Yeah, I guess that there's there's just a typo. He didn't put the S on states or something. Yeah. My plea of guilty to this crime may result in deportation, exclusion from admission to the United States. United States. That's what it's saying. <laughs> what the hell? Or denial of naturalization as a United States citizen. Are those typing errors? I don't know. It was after, it was after lunch break. He had a couple of cocktails. <laughs> I've yeah, never heard of the United States. That's probably just that's probably just a form letter that they have. It, it, it wasn't typed up specially for you, was it? Oh, uh, I don't I don't know. It might have been because there's different charges in there. I don't know. But so you still have a warrant, or you removed the warrant? I quashed the warrant. Quashed it. Yeah, that's what they told me to do. Well, that's what I did. Uh, well. That was the easiest way to do it, I guess. All right. Without having to get picked up by them and then get booked and having to bail out for missing court. So quashing it means that it's totally gone off the record? Yeah. Yep. I had to send a letter to the judge, and then I had to send the same one to the prosecutor, too, Jim. So that that was actually a pretty good solution. It's better than going in there and having to post bail or whatever. So uh, so this is so you can get a new court hearing or you're trying to get some settlement? Hello? Um, basically, he just wants me to plead guilty. I'm, I'm like, um, he wants me to fill out this form right here and then sign at the end of it. So what is what is the deal that he's offering you? I, I haven't finished it yet. We are on um, no, it was number three. That was just the end of um. Uh, there's number four is right to an attorney. I understand that I have the right to be represented by an attorney, and that an attorney will be appointed to represent me without cost to me if I can if I cannot afford to pay for an attorney. And then it has uh, B checked, waiver of attorney. I give up my right to be represented by an attorney and any right I might have to request that attorney be appointed to represent me. Number five, I understand that I also have the following constitutional rights, which I knowingly and voluntarily give up. <laughs> Dude, yeah, after I read that, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? I am not signing this. No, you got you to gotta send us a copy of that because that's pretty good. Basically, basically, by them putting that at the end, they're, they're, they're giving you the way out. Yeah, but he has, he has, um, 
he has a, a colon or after it, and then he has A, B, C, D, E listing the rights. You want me to go after go go over those quick? Yeah, if it's short. Yeah, right here, quick. The right to travel to the court or to a jury in which I am presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt and in which all jurors in a jury trial must agree I am guilty before the jury could find me guilty. The right to confront and cross-examine all witnesses against me. The right to remain silent or testify for myself. The right to subpoena and present witnesses to testify for me in my defense. The right to a pretrial hearing to contest the admissibility at trial of any confessions or any admissions or of any evidence obtained from a search and seizure. And then there's like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve more fourteen more uh, Wow. This this is where Minnesota? Yeah. Wow, you 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 you're in a pretty good state there. Yeah, if you could if you could uh, send us a, a copy of that, it would be interesting. Because right there is is the rights that you can actually claim. To yeah, it makes me laugh because by by pleading guilty and taking a deal, he's entering a new contract. Yeah, which is technically a private contract. So he's waiving all these other all these other rights and benefits and privileges to agree to this new contract. So he can't sign the contract and say, oh, that's no fair. But yeah. the fact that they're saying you're waiving your right to this, you're waiving your right to that, they're just flat out admitting that you actually do have all these rights. Exactly. They're giving you the answer. And they, they're even telling you they have a right to travel. Yeah. Yeah, that's the first thing I noticed. I didn't want to yeah. interrupt. That's very good. That's 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 gold right there they're giving you. And and that happens in court all the time. And when uh, when somebody agrees to plead, like in a drug case or anything like that, they go or the judge goes each time over all these rights that you have. And people just say, Yeah, 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 I agree to that, yeah, yeah. And you just give up all your rights. And that's yeah, kind of what they're doing there. So it's, it just makes me laugh because now if you do decide to take it to trial and go to court, you can walk in there and just say, this ticket's completely invalid. And if they ask you why, just say, because it says right here, I have the right to waive my right to travel. I didn't waive my right to travel, therefore I'm still standing under my right to travel. Yep. So they just negated their own ticket. No, they're doing that to cover their ass. You know, because they can say, well, we told you your rights. You waived them. You read them and waived them. So what do you want us to do? I would I would uh, cross out all the stuff that they have up top. And then below all the rights, uh, I would write, are you crazy? I wouldn't. I don't think I would touch that thing. I think I would frame that thing. I know. I actually, I think I would. I think you should send a copy to me. No, I, I just said that. You, you know, you should share that. 
because those, yeah, I, you know, they're giving you they're giving you information there that's golden. Around here, they don't do that. Who got what, yeah, when, and where? Sorry, I was uh, away from the computer there for about ten minutes. Some guy, some guy that calls himself a prosecutor sent Richie a letter, some kind of uh, offer for a plea agreement. And he told him if he wants to take the deal, he has to waive the right to travel. He has to waive <laughs> the Constitution. He has to waive this. So they're flat out telling him he has all these rights. And if he chooses, he could waive them. So now he can go into court and fight the ticket and say, you guys told me I have all these rights that I can waive, but I didn't waive them, so I still have all these rights. Therefore, number one, the right to travel. I got the right to this. I got the right to that. Got the right to the Constitution. They just flat out told him all his rights. Like it doesn't get much clearer than that. He has the right to travel, which he could waive if he wanted to. But if they just the right, they just invalidated the right their own, all that stuff. They just invalidated their own ticket. We don't have the right to fine you unless you waive your right. Yeah, that's what it's saying. It's a yeah, it's a ninety days in jail or a thousand dollar fine. That's for, not fine with me. For no for no brake lights? No, for no driver's license. Oh. <laughs> well the the thing is you have the right to travel. They just said so. So what is a driver's license? You guys just told me I have the right to travel freely without a driver's license. So now you're saying I get a fine for not having a driver's license when I clearly didn't waive my right. Well, the driver's license is for the privilege of a corporation to operate commerce upon the highway. That's its only purpose. No, there's more purposes than that. We'll see. But a driver's license... A driver's license is a privilege and a benefit. They clearly stated that he has a right to travel. So if he doesn't if he doesn't waive his right to travel, he's got a right to travel, and therefore he doesn't need a driver's license. Driver's license also is other underlying contracts that that are used for a lot of other things. So that's that's pretty interesting, uh, Richie. Uh, I'd love to see a copy of that thing. You can uh, you can uh, you know uh, get a copy of it and uh, black out your information if you don't want to share that. Yeah. yeah. And. Uh, you know, the main part of it is the important thing. You can actually put, like, a, um, you know, a white piece of paper over your name or whatever and copy it or scan it. Yeah, scan it and then scan it and then print it off and just use a black marker and cross off your name and address and everything like that and then scan it, scan in the redacted version. You can send it anywhere you want. Yeah, black marker. Sometimes you got to be careful because if you turn it a certain way, you can see the information underneath. Yeah. Uh, but if you put a white piece of paper over it on the area that you want to cover, that will never show through. 
would it would it show through if it's a scanned copy though? I don't know. I know I've seen I've been able to see information that was you know uh, black and over. Especially if you like uh, if you look at at an angle and you zoom in, you can uh, sometimes you can see what's what's written underneath. Yeah, you could use black crayon too because it's a little thicker. But that 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 that's interesting stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I did my ticket um, out of state, uh, they didn't have anything like that. They just had uh, me entering a plea so that they could reopen the thing and issue a new a new uh, hearing date. And then once they sent me the new hearing date, I just uh, refused it. I think I would send yeah. that guy a letter. Just say, uh, in your letter, you said you stated I had the right to travel, and I could waive it. <clears throat> yeah. You complete your thought there, Mike. He's Mike on the board. Yeah, it didn't sound like he had finished saying what he was saying. So, is Richie still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, well, you're quiet, so I didn't know <laughs> where you're at. <laughs> So you ended up getting arrested? No, they they just uh, let me walk on my own or go on my own. I mean, but they towed the car. No, I had a friend come pick it up. Oh, oh all right, that's not bad. Yeah, I would uh, I would mail him a letter back and say in your letter you stated I had the right to travel, which could be waived by me. I choose not to waive my right to travel, and I was operating under my right to travel. Therefore, the need for a driver's license is moot. I don't know if I would say operating. That's well, not he a very was, good word. Well, yeah, you don't have to say operating, but I was exercising my right to travel and not operating under a license. Or moving about, or going from point A to point B, or my yeah, private automobile. Yeah, so basically only. he's well, he he's like, well, if you know, if you take this trial, you're just gonna have to pay the full amount, and then court fees and all that other stuff. And um, he's like, if you take this deal, all you have to do is plead guilty to having no Minnesota's driver's license, and then you have to pay a fine of hundred dollars. And then eighty one dollars in court fees for a total of one eighty one. What about the one year in jail thing? Huh? What about the one year in jail? I don't know. Oh, that was for the that was the uh, that's the maximum possible sentence for a misdemeanor. So you want you want to bargain with this guy or you? I don't. What, what's your what's your how are you thinking of dealing with it? 
I don't know. I'm just. You want to? Well, when you look at it, what do you what what's your pain? What are you willing to do? It just seems like a lot. I don't know. Seems like a lot of money. No, it just seems like a lot of uh, just stuff to. I don't know. There's just a lot of things going on right now. I just I can't think of like clearly. You know, I just had a birth of uh, my first child, and I just have a lot of things going on right now. I just don't know what to think about anything. I don't, um, you know, I have a lot of people coming to me, like, just um, throwing stuff at me that I'm not even capable of handling, and it's just really getting to me, you know? And so when I look at this stuff, it just, it just looks like I can't, you know, like, um, deal with this too, you know? Even though it's just a, a small fine or whatever, but so, but I mean, you must have thought of about how you would resolve yeah. this. If if I could do this, I would do it, or you know, or I'm gonna keep fighting, or how just, are you thinking about it? I just feel like I didn't handle it the right way from the stop, and I don't know. I, I okay, but right now the matter the matter at hand, what you have right now, how. I mean, do you want to make a deal with them and make it go away, or do you want to fight it, or how you're leaning? I would send them a letter and just say, greetings, Bob. Thank you for your letter. As you stated in 1A, I wish to continue, uh, I wish to continue exercising my right to travel. Therefore, this ticket was issued in error. Use his own yeah, words against them. You said I have the right much? to travel. You acknowledge that I have the right to travel. He can't prove uh, that you weren't operating or you weren't exercising that right. Yeah, so I just never gave him my driver's license either. I didn't have it on me. Didn't have no, it on me. Greetings, Bob. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging my right to travel. Make this ticket go away. Yeah, thank you for making this great offer, and it was an education. I didn't know I had all these rights. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, I would just leave it as thank you for acknowledging my right to travel. And then, and then, what you could say is you could say uh, that, that you 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 made me such a great offer. I just can't accept it at this time. Uh, could you make it a little bit better? Thank you. I wouldn't. Why? Why? <laughs> if he just flat out told you you have the right to travel, why would you bargain with this guy? No, but but he might make it better just by saying, okay, let's just throw what this one away. Be, what can be better than no fine, no jail, no nothing? That's probably what's going to happen if you do what I'm saying too. He'd be hey, like, but, oh, but in, like, see, now he doesn't even have to go to court and say, I believe I have the right to travel. Because this guy just told him, you have the right to travel. So just say, greetings, Bob. Thank you for acknowledging my right to travel. Make this ticket go away. What if it was like a error from him, though? Because he already made mistakes on the states when he, he didn't finish his United oh, States. Shit. It's all invalid. You have the right to travel. He can't do anything. Yeah, You're reading too much into I, it, uh, Richie. Well, well, Mike is telling you it's pretty solid. 
almost anything that you just answer back. And, uh, you know, if you're not comfortable with just trying to make it go away, just tell them, uh, you know, to, to make you a better offer. There was a kind of offer. Can you make me a better offer? It's not good enough for me, especially since you remind me I have all these rights. I would send them the letter saying, thank you for acknowledging my right to travel. Make this go away. And then if he says, no, it's not going away, then you can ask for a better offer. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's another good approach. But see, I wouldn't go this route, but the fact that he acknowledged your right to travel, he's already acknowledging that the cop had no authority to stop you in the first place. And he definitely didn't have any authority to give someone a right to travel a ticket for driving. Yeah, the, the magistrate or whoever this guy is, uh, the prosecutor, uh, he's covering all his asses, basically, his assets. He's banking because, that all persons who drive in Minnesota are completely oblivious. Yeah. Because most people will get that and they'll go, oh, yeah, they won't even read that part. Oh, crap. And that's why they put the other stuff first. Oh crap! I I I still got to deal. I got to pay a hundred bucks here. I got to. Oh, you know. But at least I don't have to go to court again. Let me just pay it and move on. How much time you got to answer? Um, I Richard. just got it on Friday, and I was gonna hop on the call on Saturday and talk about it, but I just had too much stuff going on this weekend. All right, but that didn't answer my question. How much time do you have to? Well, I don't understand what you mean, to write him back or something? He didn't yeah, give yeah. me a time. Much, there's no time limit? He didn't give me one. I would, he just I would said think... everything's going to be handled over the mail. Oh, great. That's 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 beautiful. Date it, date it today and mail it tomorrow. Yeah, do it right away. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.